Hey there, Slimesters and Gakoids. This is Brett here from Splat Attack. Uh, just letting you know ahead of time that I had some technical issues with my microphone for the recording of this episode. Uh, unfortunately, we were attacked by some uh, putty patrollers and we got whacked around a bit. And that left my mic sounding a little bit fuzzy and distorted. So if, if that stands out to you or kind of hurts your ears a bit, I do apologize. Uh, we just had some issues in the meantime and we couldn't stop recording since it was such a long episode. Uh, luckily, Alex's microphone and our guest microphone were working just fine. So it won't be too much of a distraction. But in any case, I do apologize in advance. And with that being said, we hope you enjoy this special presentation of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers ranking every monster from season one. We put a lot of hard work and effort into this, so we hope you enjoy. Spot you later. Finster! The time device is ready. It's time to pick a monster. The babies. Which one of the delightfully hideous creatures are we using? <laughs> Submit it for the approval of the Midnight Society. Oh, joy. Let's rock. It makes me want to fart. Dear Journal, it's me, Doug. Do you have a... Baby's gotta do what a baby's gotta do. <laughs> On your mark, get set. Oh, here it goes. Welcome to Splat Attack, where we're taking it back to the slime-filled past. I'm your Gactastic co-host, Brett. And I am your slime-tastic person, fall co-host, thingy-ba-jing, Mighty Morphin co-host, Alex Nance. And... We're, we're, we're Mighty Morphin Slimester Rangers. Yes! <laughs> uh, I like the sound of that. Okay, so I am super excited about today because we get to talk about one of my other favorite series, and I know it's one of Brett's as well, mm -hmm. outside of Nickelodeon. So it's definitely a break for us. Although, although I have to say, it's still technically, and I do like heavy air quotes for this, still within the realm of Nickelodeon, because for anyone who is a like geeky Power Ranger fan like me, you'll know that around 2011, when they got to the Power Ranger Samurai season, it got acquired by Nickelodeon and still been them pretty much ever since. Um, so it's still within the realm of Nickelodeon. You just kind of have to stretch the fine print a little bit. <laughs> but but for 90s Nickelodeon, yeah, it definitely of does not qualify. But of it course. definitely qualifies as 90s for sure. Yeah. And of course, we had to have somebody join us for this epic episode. So who is joining us today? Well, we have uh, a friend who joined us actually in episode 11, which is favorite 90s holiday specials. And returning for the second time on Splat Attack is our guest and fellow 90s podcaster, Toby from the Tape Store. Welcome, Toby. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, I love the Power Rangers. Uh, I actually, just see, it came out in 93, and I was actually... Uh, um, I was 13 and not that that's old, but I don't know, like a lot of kids my age weren't like I, I, me and my cousin 13, we, I was 13, he was 12 mm -hmm. and uh, we were both like crazy about it. And a lot of kids weren't that we knew for some reason, but uh, I, I just remember the first time I saw it and I'd never seen anything like it. Absolutely fell in love with it. And when Brett got in touch with me about uh, being a guest on the show, I was like, oh, I, I can't not you know, talk about the Power Rangers. So 
my my brother was 16 when it came out and i was eight so he was very much just this is voltron why do you like <laughs> this it's just voltron I'm like i don't care it's cool but it's live action voltron so it's cooler it is yeah it, it, it totally um consumed our lives for um I, I would say about a year or so oh yes uh, I, I would say definitely i mean I, I watched it a little bit after it um that they became the uh the zeo rangers but mm -hmm. uh I, I, there's just nothing like the the mighty morphin power rangers that yeah that, that's you know there's been a lot of iterations of the power rangers but you know that that will always mighty morphin power rangers that first iteration will always be like to me what it was what it is and what it always will be so yeah so. it has a special place in all of our hearts uh who are big 90s uh fans yeah. so i i know brett is a huge fan so at what point did you start losing interest and at one point did you stop watching you know i hung on when uh austin st john you know uh jason and uh you know, Zach, uh, Kimberly and Trini, their characters, you know, Amy Jo Johnson, Thai Trang. And I think, uh, see Zach's character, it's, it's his the actor's name. I think his name's Walter. Walter Jones. Jones. Yep. Walter Jones. Yeah. Uh, it took the show took quite a hit when they left. Uh, mm -hmm. but you know, their replacements, I was a uh, Rocky and Adam and, uh, Aisha. Yeah. And, um, Oh, there was one more, right? No, was that, that Adam. was the, and Adam, yeah, Rocky, Aisha, and uh, Adam, and yeah. So anyway, uh, but it still it still kept its momentum. I thought it, you know, I I, I loved the movie in '95. Yes, uh, it was I absolutely, fun. absolutely loved the movie actually. And I was, you know, I think around 15 when that came out. I think it was when um, the Zeo Rangers have uh, to, you know, it, it went into the Zeo Rangers, and then the cast changed again. And by that point I was like, okay, I wasn't crazy about the newest cast editions. It, it just seemed to be a little different. And I, I gotta be honest with you, a big part of um, my uh, Power Rangers fandom was, um, I was always Jason when we, when we played Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah, right. And my cousin was always Zach. And, uh, and then, and we always fought over who, uh, was Kimberly's uh, boyfriend? Even though, you know. So I think the beginning of the end was was Kimberly and Trini leaving, uh, but uh, I held on until um, the Zeo Rangers, and then I was kind of like, okay, it's just not the same. Yeah, mm -hmm. you, you you and I are very much of the same mindset, uh, especially with Jason. Jason yeah. is the leader of the Power Rangers. I don't care. Fight me. Screw it. Suck, suck at Tommy. There he is. But, uh, right behind me yeah. on my uh, screensaver. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> much like you, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers was the best. And then whenever they had that cast change after season two, I believe is when it was, uh, then I lost some interest, but I still stuck around until the movie. And then I had a yeah. huge resurgence of appreciation for the series. Mm -hmm. And then I slowly tapered off and until Turbo. Once Turbo hit, I was done. But as for Brett... Yeah, I got you both beat by a mile. <laughs> <laughs> so since I barely got to talk for the first 10 minutes of this episode, I'm going to give you a little bit of background about my Power Rangers history because I'm yes. kind of a closet fan, like a closet diehard fan. Yes. Um, so I got into it in first grade uh, when it first came out uh, with season one. And 
I remember like everyone going nuts about it in my class, like to the point where they couldn't concentrate. And when it came to Halloween time, everyone, like literally everyone except like five people in the class of students dressed as Power Rangers. And you saw all the different colors people dressed up as based on who their favorite was. And there's at least like five Red Rangers in there. And yeah. I wanted to be the Green Ranger, um, but they didn't have any more costumes at the time uh, available. Or I think they didn't actually have a costume made for them. I don't remember, it's one of the two. Uh, this, this was like in uh, late 1993, yep. uh, early 1994. And so I ended up getting the Blue Power Ranger uh, because I, I thought, well, I'm, I'm a smart kid. I'm smart like Billy. <laughs> and I'll, I'll have to see if I can dig up a photo of me in my Halloween costume from them. But that's, that was a pretty fond memory because I remember getting a lot of Halloween candy that year. Um, so, you know, I was the only blue power ranger in the entire class and it's just a moment where I stand out. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. You know, I, I didn't know for the longest time, uh, David Yost, for one thing, he stayed on the show for so long. Yeah. Uh, and when Brooke and I, uh, watch the show now, you know, we still watch it cause we, we occasionally do a power ranger episode. We call mm -hmm. it the angel grove chronicles, but yeah, uh, I've listened to many of them. I, yeah. I appreciate you doing those. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah. We, we love it. Um, and it, it, it's great to, you feel like you're reliving that and in many ways watching the stuff for the first time again. But, um, we love we have this new appreciation for uh billy uh mm -hmm. that that we just didn't have when we were kids and uh i had no idea that david yost was actually doing a lot of those stunts the the guy was a gymnast so really yeah. really impressive uh so i i just i actually realized like hey you know he seemed i guess he seemed like the most incapable but he's actually he actually could do a lot of that stuff he had an ace up his sleeve because i i remember like watching a lot of the power ranger episodes back to back for several seasons and he went from like this very nerdy unsure of himself kind of kid to like whoa he's got muscles where he can do backflips whoa yeah. he can like punch all these putties with a single blow it's amazing like I, I mean, this, this could go off into a really big tangent because of no, how much okay. I know about Power Rangers, but you know, he, he could have been the Gold Ranger instead, but that's, that's another discussion for another day. I just think that he had one of the best character development arcs of uh, the original cast. Yeah, I think Jason was definitely the leader's leader, in my opinion. Like, yeah. um, uh, you know, I have to agree with uh, Alex with that, but uh, I really think Billy was a backbone in a lot of ways for, oh, the, totally. for the yeah. team. So that's just, you know. Yeah, from Billy should have. Billy should have taken over as leader after Jason left and because Tommy was still figuring his way around. But anyway, that's a whole different thing. Yeah, I think we need to make a bonus episode just on that because don't get us started. Don't get us <laughs> yeah. started. Oh, yeah. Um, Forever blue. Yeah, right. Um, but getting back to my my backstory with my history of Power Rangers. So I, I was hooked since the very beginning. I like got the Zords. I got the I got the power blaster. Couldn't find the Dragon Dagger because everyone else had it before me, unfortunately. Um, cause I wanted to play it like a flute, you know, yeah, I love it. Um, imagine playing that in band class, like, oh, you're going to, you're going to be first chair for Dragon Dagger. Uh, we need you to play the solo. No problem. And, you know, someone could just play like Aqua Lung by Jeff Rotol on, on that thing. And it'd sound amazing. <laughs> um, so I, I've been with the show steadily, uh, for several years. I stuck with it even into Zio. Uh, Turbo, I kind of started to fall off the the ball because it's it, the show felt like it was fatiguing a bit with the actors, you know, going so far as they did, and then they changed the guard to like a new cast to kind of help save it. 
Um, but after, after In Space started, which was season six, I immediately jumped it back into it because I somehow found a deep, uh, deep connection to Andros, uh, who's the Red Ranger of that group. And from there, I just like fell in love with it all over again after the Zordon uh, era saga ended with like that brilliant ending. And it just wrapped everything up full circle from Mighty Morphin all the way to that. That was like his own contained saga, uh, similar to how Dragon Ball Z like contains their own sagas for the overarching series. Mm -hmm. um, so you, you would think I would end there, but nope. Um, my little brother actually got into Power Rangers who's eight years younger than me. So he was like, second generation Power Rangers where he was into like Lightspeed Rescue, Lost Galaxy, Time Force, Wild Force, et cetera. So I kind of watched it with him as like a way to bond whenever we got home from school. And I just stuck with it with him until about Power Rangers SPD in 2006 when I went to college and then fell off again. Like I didn't care much for, for um, Jungle Fury or Mystic Force, uh, but I, when it came back on Netflix again, uh, around like 2012, 2013, somewhere around there, um, I, I fell in love with it a third time because I just like, hmm, what's this season like? What's that season like? I should really check it out and, you know, set my judgment aside. And I ended up liking uh, a few of them, some not so much, but like Power Rangers RPM with its po post-apocalyptic story. I was just blown away with like how well the story was written and the characters were really intriguing. Everyone had like a deep gritty backstory um, to each other and they all like had interwoven plot lines that worked well. So, you know, I guess there's there's um, some highs and lows since Mighty Morphin, but you know, at the end of the day, everyone remembers Mighty Morphin more than anything else, just because of how striking and how cutting edge they were uh, on the scene. And that was, that was thanks to uh, Haim Sabam getting the idea from I think his daughter uh, that he should like do the show and essentially take super sentai footage and um you know dub it and like combine you know the japanese footage of them fighting monsters with like the angel grove scenes where like they're trying to promote morals and basic storylines where they're hanging around high school and stuff and getting stuff done and i think um you know as a result of that combination it just works so well that it's lasted near 30 years now it's a testament yeah. to its uh, legacy yeah, absolutely. And of course, Bulk and Skull, you know. Uh, oh, I, I love them. <laughs> Especially with that theme music. Oh no, look who's here. Bulk and Skull. Hi, girls. How about that double date we talked about? Yeah. <laughs> what about? Sorry, guys. They were real life best friends, apparently. And uh, yeah, um, what's uh, their name? Jason Narvey and yeah, Paul. Jason Nar I forgot the other guy, Paul Schreier. Yeah, yeah. And and they, um, I'm, I'm not sure how long they went into the, the, I'm not sure how far into the uh, Power Rangers timeline they went. They, they technically went to the end of In Space with the Zordon era saga okay. ending, and then there's like a brief little epilogue with Bulk showing up in Terra Ventia. Uh, at a bar, but that's nothing important. <laughs> oh, okay. I just, you know, yeah. I, you have to mention Bulk and Skull, you know? Oh, totally. They're, they're as integral to the stories as the Rangers themselves because they were the foils to them, you know, always yeah. causing comedic trouble. <laughs> so I want to give one little shout out and then we need to get on topic. Right. But do either of you remember when the Power, especially Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, did the little PSAs at the end of the episodes? Didn't they do a dare one? I think they did do a dare one. I don't, I don't fully recall, but I do remember that the first season, especially 
they would have PSAs after the episode just before the just before the credits. Mm-hmm. And the one in particular I remember was had Balkan Skull on it. And of course, they weren't Balkan Skull; they were themselves. And I think they were they were playing golf or something like that. <laughs> and and I, I forget their names, but Skull messed up and. Uh, the kid, because there was always a kid with them, was like, "Book, b- bait him up, do some, train him like the dog he is, or some, some dumb, some dumb like that." And then uh, he was like, "No, I'm not going to do that." Like, but you do it on the show. It's like, yeah, but I'm not that person. I play a character on the oh, show, wow. and like for the first time ever, it really showed me, oh, this isn't the way you are on TV. This is that it was a. A character and and it really opened my eyes as well as other kids my my demographic but i you won't find those on netflix or any of the reruns or anything like that it's a shame because they'd be a blast to see these days yeah yeah and now a message from the power rangers it's hulk hi kids where's skull skull went to the movies why didn't you go with them i'm with them all week on power rangers Today I'm hanging with my niece. You're an uncle? Of course he is. Uncle Paul's the best ever. And he's a good friend, too. <laughs> nah, the movie was lame, so I thought I'd uh, pick up some ice cream and join you guys. Thanks, Jason. Okay. <sighs> Sorry. Aren't you going to smash him? Yeah, get him, Bulk! You're confusing me with my character on the Power Rangers. Television is full of make-believe guys. In real life, Jason's my best friend. He is? Absolutely. But you better watch out. I can turn into Bulk at any moment. <laughs> I'm an actor. When I play Bulk, I'm just pretending. And I'm an actor also, and when I play Skull, I'm just pretending too. Of course, I am the better actor. No, you're not. So, anyway, Brett, what are we talking about today? I'm glad you asked, Alex, because today we're going to talk about ranking all 50 monsters from the first season of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And, uh, you know, no one can deny the cultural impact of this show ever since it aired on August 28th, 1993, and how, you know, you had five teenagers with attitude, whatever that means, uh, interactive <laughs> Zordon, you know, get, get, get the down low on, like, defeating the sorceress with really pointy hair and pointy other things and a big scepter and, like, making monsters grow and all this crazy stuff. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're going to d- deep dive into this and see what we can uh, analyze and see like, well, maybe these guys are really good because we remember them very well and they had like a strong arsenal of powers. And then others were like, maybe you should go be a character on another show. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll do our best to be respectful, but also have some fun ragging on some of these characters too. So um, yeah, let's, let's just jump into it. Um, so, but I, I do have to make a quick little note uh, before we start is that we're, we're going to just throw a disclaimer here. We're not going to cover the following things. We're not going to cover the Super Sentai Zero Ranger. We're not going to cover episode plots here. And we're not going to cover too much fandom stuff other than what we already discussed because that would just take way too long and we'd never get out of here. We're here for ranking the monsters and the monsters only. So we're not even going to touch upon what the episodes are unless it's relevant to like them overpowering the Rangers or using their powers or being defeated in a specific way. So the criteria for ranking all these monsters, it's based on monster name, like how catchy it is and memorable it is, physical appearance, basically how cool or, you know, indicative to their name, their appearances, uh, personality, if they even have one, 
uh, special abilities like, you know, do they fire lasers from their eyes? Do they have weapons that they use to fight the Rangers? Display of power, like how hard, how hard do they uh, bring a fight to the Rangers? Like, or if they're just barely like swatting them, um, you know, method of defeat, do they, do they defeat him with like, you know, the power blaster, do they defeat them with their Megazord? Do they have to bring out the Ultra for Zord to the beat? The, do they have to bring out the Ultra Zord to the, blow them into oblivion? You know, stuff like that. And uh, of course, lasting appeal with like how people remember them and if they had any toys or merchandise tied to their characters in particular, because there were a few. And uh, you'll be surprised which ones do and do not. Um, and also we're not going to count uh, putties for this list because they're just foot soldiers. They don't really have any personality. Uh, it's, and some of these monsters actually summon them as a form of their power that counts towards their rank. At the end, we're gonna essentially cover Rita's posse after we do the main monster of the week. Uh, so we'll cover Rita, Goldar, Scorpina, Squat, Babu, and Finster really quick. And then for the sake of this list, we are going to count Evil Green Ranger as a monster because his rise and fall through his Green Ranger saga kind of is similar to how a monster is created and defeated. So for, for technicality's sake and for the sake of this argument, we're gonna include him. Um, but we will not include the Mighty Morphin Mutants that Commander Crayfish commands or Twin Man's uh, doppelgangers because those are just putties and costumes. So it's pretty much just the same as having foot soldiers. All right, on to Mighty Morphin Power Rangers ranking season one, Monsters. Okay, so we're starting with Bones from episode two called High Five. Bones is basically this, this guy made out of bones. He's, he's like a yellowy greenish skeleton. He's got a very dapper looking hat with a feather in his cap. Uh, nice cape too, while we're at it. Um, he has a simple appropriate name. You know, I don't know what else you can really call a skeleton in a cap and a cape. He's got a pretty cool look. Uh, I like his design in particular. I just wish that he was like later in the series because he's like the first monster that's defeated. And uh, even though he has the, the cool ability to reassemble himself once he's like blasted or karate chopped or whatever, um, there is a fatal flaw in his like design because when, when he uses like this time warp to send the Rangers to another dimension um, to fight them with his skeleton warrior goons, he, he like does his same old falling apart, putting himself back together stick. And then trainee like signals Billy to like, go grab his head. And then Billy like wraps the cape around his head so he can't see. And then when a fissure opens up in the time dimension, they promptly throw it into the crevice to be exploded on impact in the earth's core. So for whatever reason, that's how he got defeated. And I thought that was kind of uh, lame on his part. I wish, I wish he had a more... Uh, grandiose defeat, but you know, I give him points for uniqueness there. Uh, he also had uh, a Power Rangers figure toy. I think it was a 5.5, no, it was an eight inch Power Rangers action figure toy, Evil Space Aliens, that was uh, made by Bandai in uh, 1994. So, you guys have any thoughts on Bones? Reminds me of Dry Bones from Mario Brothers. 
I was thinking that too. Just put a cap and a cape on them, and there you go. <laughs> and it also reminded me of the scene on Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey whenever they would play basketball with each other's heads. Mm. But uh, the only thing I, I didn't really remember much about him just before I had gone back and watched it outside of just his physical appearance. And uh, yeah, I was surprised that he was defeated so pretty easily. But yeah. He's got an iconic look. And especially since they used him a lot in, in video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they even brought him back for one of the later Power Ranger uh, digital video games. Possibly. But, he was actually uh, the first boss in the side-scrolling Power Rangers beat him up for SNES. Yeah. That's where I remember him from. Yeah, I, I just remember uh, Billy ripping his head off and throwing it to Trini and you know yep. it, the way it was filmed you know the you know they make the noises and he catches it and it's, it's like he's throwing her a basketball and right yeah uh, i i, I kind of wish they had the harlem globetrotters uh theme song playing yeah. in, in the background <laughs> while they did that because it seemed very appropriate <laughs> Yeah, it, it was clear that it was almost like they were trying to stylize it like, you know, he was just passing her a, a but yeah. Like, it, it was, I'm open, I'm open. Right. <laughs> so she takes it and covers it with his cloak. And uh, so I just remember that, uh, you know, pretty much. Uh, other than that, I'm kind of like with uh, Alex, like I didn't remember, I, you know, he's just a skeleton with a hat on. Um, <laughs> I think there have been much better villains uh, as the show progressed. Not that he was a bad villain, but I think there have been, uh, you know, much more better ones. Uh, he, he was definitely, uh, but I, I just remember Billy throwing Trini the head. You know? Yep. Yeah. He didn't seem to do much. Um, I do remember like, ca- like hitting the Rangers when they're in an amusement park, causing sparks to fly out of their chest with like his spinning head at first. Um, but other than that, just basic melee attacks. I mean, yeah. he, he had this weird little, little tiny lightsaber thing. Um, so where, where would you guys rank him on a scale of triple S to F? I would put him at a C. Okay. Uh, uh, and the only reason I would put it that high is just because of how iconic he looks. Mm. But he hasn't really posed much of a threat, and he's not that. What he has done is not as memorable. Right. Uh, even, even the ones who are bad, you remember them. Uh, but you you rank them lower just because they're so bad. So I, I'd say forgettable would be right at the C range. Yeah, that's fair. Same here. Um, I would give I would give him a C. Okay, I, I'm a little bit harsher. I would give him a D because I was I felt very underwhelmed by his display of power um, and how easily he was defeated. But I did like his look a lot. Like I, I definitely had a friend who lived in front of me in my neighborhood who had all the evil space uh, alien ranger toys back then as soon as they came out and i just remember playing a lot with the bones one so for like the personal nostalgia uh i can bump it up to a c with you guys so we'll give them a c all right moving on we actually have a second monster in this uh episode of high five which is simply known as the giant and he basically looks like this this kind of spartan warrior kind of knight where he has a helmet you can barely see his eyes he's just got like little beady eyes and uh, when Rita realizes her plans are foiled, she basically just summons a giant and he like literally punches through the wall and grabs the Red Ranger and like plays with him like a little action figure because 
I don't know, <laughs> to seem intimidating. And then um, that prompted him to like summon his Tyrannosaurus Rex and fight the giants and essentially kill him with a shockwave, which was a pretty cool looking effect because I did not realize that, you know, until I went back and watched these episodes in closer detail that they actually defeated some of these monsters, um, like without forming the Megazord. I always thought, you know, whoop, jump into the Megazord, kick their butt with the power sword, that's it. Um, but no, in some of these earliest episodes, they use different like Zord configurations to defeat them. And the giant was the first one that's defeated by the T-Rex sword. Yeah, it was it was one of the few times, like you said, because uh, when when I when the T-Rex sword would show up, I'd always be like, OK, let's 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 watch this get, you know, they're going to mop the floor with the T-Rex sword. He's going to be like, <laughs> all right, we need more help, you know, and yeah, and here comes everybody else. But um what I never understood about this and why I remember the giant is because Bones, with all of his, uh, even though he ultimately failed, he did succeed in getting them in another dimension. Right. Which, honestly, even if you didn't kill the Power Rangers, if you locked them in another dimension, they're pretty much screwed. Yeah. So Rita decides, I mean, you have them trapped. I mean, yeah, they're still running around in there. Uh, they're, they're still alive. They're drawing breath, but they're trapped. They mm -hmm. can't come back to Angel Grove. But you bring this giant down and he rips the dimension open and he gets them out and inadvertently it ruins, he makes the plan worse because it gets them out and it allows them to call their zords and, you know, and go to town and, 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 and ultimately it freed them. So even though she didn't kill them, she had them imprisoned in the dimension and the monster ruins it. Yeah, they, they almost would have been better off if Rita just didn't summon the giant and left them there to like fight off the skeleton minions until they couldn't anymore um but i guess right. for the sake of a kid's show that's like around sure. 20 minutes long they had to wrap it up somehow and get them out of a pickle so uh you know just create a giant hole for them to get out of and there you go but that um, would be something rita would do because she's incredibly um there are no uh, she has no plans yeah she, she looks in she looks into her telescope she watches yeah. the ranges for about 30 seconds and she goes hmm okay let's do this <laughs> yeah she's not very strategic and yeah, she's very she, impulsive. She also, yeah and i think that's probably why she has so many headaches at the end of the day uh i think i think the giant's kind of ranking pretty low for me just because he doesn't have much personality he's just essentially a, a giant grunt who's there to you know capture jason uh i think his costume is pretty cool looking like i like the the Roman or European knight aesthetic to him. And he even has a sword that he uses a couple of times against the T-Rex. Um, but, you know, he, he didn't have a lot of screen time. And, you know, it aside from just being vaporized with magic fairy dust into the distance uh, by the T-Rex's shockwave, it didn't really leave an impression on me. Yeah, uh, I honestly had forgotten he was even on the show. <laughs> uh, I, I didn't remember who he was. I didn't remember the name. I didn't know what he looked like. Uh, completely erased from my memory. So it, he would have ranked as a C, uh, which usually is where I put my don't remember you. But uh, just by learning that, yeah, this is your fault. This whole thing is your fault. They could have been gone. I'd put him <laughs> a little lower. I'd put him at a D. Yeah. Okay. Uh I would give him an F just for completely. Uh, he yes. He could have solved Rita's problems. Like he, the Power Rangers would have ended up, like you said, fighting these skeleton minions for eternity or getting sick of each other, being in the same dimension for like eternity. Could have just rotted away. But uh, he gave them the opening they needed 
of course we want the power Rangers to win. I'm just saying I'm, I'm putting my, yeah, I'm, I'm putting myself in, in the bad guy's shoes. Uh, he blew it. Yeah. I I'm actually going to give him an F too, just because they need them. They, they could have Rita could have won in episode two and we want to have a series now. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, before they even started. Yeah. Um, speaking of monsters, let's go into the next one, uh, episode three, Teamwork, which features the menacing Minotaur, or just Minotaur, depending on who you, who you talk to. Um, I, I think the name is interesting. I, I think it leads a little bit of mystery and not wonder, but like intrigue uh, with what this guy's about. He's definitely very strong. He, he's very muscular looking, you know, a typical Greek mythology Minotaur. Uh, you got here, he's got like a giant spiked billy club along with like a spiked shield. And I definitely remember him a lot, like a lot from uh, the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Sega Genesis game that I played as a kid, because I definitely had to have that when it first came out. And I just remember being thrashed and beaten and like pounded into submission when I ever I faced him because he would just have all these really strong attacks that like knocked me way off the, across the screen, no matter what level I was on fighting him. And I'm just like, oh, give me a break, man. But in two player mode, when I played against my sister, I'd often play as the Minotaur and kick her butt. So I guess it's a double-edged sword in that regard because he was strong, he was fast, he had this cool dash move and he would just like whack at everything with the giant club. Uh, well, I, I do remember uh, him being, uh, one, uh, I think he was the first one that they they formed the Power Blaster, which is mm -hmm. all, all their weapons. Jason would slap the sword down at the end, just, yeah. you know? uh, and so I'm, if that's the case, I have to, rem to remember, again, it's been a while. Uh, we did do a show. We did do uh, teamwork. Yeah, uh, but I don't think he grew. I don't think she. Well, well, here's the thing. I actually watched this a couple of times just to make sure because I did listen to that episode in preparation for this. It's it's weird because he grew immediately, and then the Rangers like got into their Zords, and then they formed okay. tank mode for the first time, and then for there some reason they like retreated because he was too powerful and they weren't sure like how to control the darn thing. So they went back to Zordon, and then I think Zordon. Um, gave them like the power coins or like that, that power crystal thing where it's like, Oh yeah, they would. Boop, and then yeah, yeah. Right in there. I, um, was that the first time they formed the Megazord? I don't, I don't remember. I always but, thought that was uh, the, I gotta say, I, I know we're talking about the monster. But I always thought that yeah. was an underrated thing. I, I thought it was one of the coolest things as a kid when they would do that move and they would, they would yeah, it, it's like, I just thought that was like slick the way they did that. It's got an element of magic and, um, yeah possessed to it yeah i like that a lot like they all did it in sync too you like jason would do his where he's like Beep, and then psh, pew, and then all four of the other ones in like split screen would do it in perfect harmony so that was that was like that further emphasized the moment of them like putting together the zord because they knew what they were doing well two one and, and, power up yeah <laughs> yeah pretty much um let's see what else can i add about this guy he's very threatening looking you know He's got those small beady eyes. He's full of hair. He's got big yak horns that could probably headbutt you into next Tuesday. Um, he breathes fire. He has a spike shield, as I mentioned before, and club. Uh, he also fires lasers from his horns, which is pretty cool. Rainbow lasers. Who doesn't yeah, love that? Yeah, and, 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 Zordon, <laughs> and Zordon makes a point at some point in, in the midst of their confrontation mm -hmm. with him. Zordon's like, hey, he's too much for you guys. So uh, he, he was pretty formidable compared to many of the other monsters. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
I thought it was kind of weird that they had to like go small to figure out how to combine their power weapons to blast them. But hey, it was an opportunity to show them putting the power blaster together, I believe, for the first time. Yeah. So, you know, for plot reasons, it it, it got the job done. Um, Alex, do you have anything else to add? The only thing I have to add is that this uh, Minotaur looked more terrifying than the Minotaur that was on the movie Your Highness. Oh. That's really all I've got to <laughs> I add. I never you saw that. Have, you guys yeah, have covered the whole base there. Cool. Uh, well, what, what should we give him a ranking? Because I'm thinking I want to put him in the C range. Like, he's got a decent power ability. He's got decent yeah. moves. He didn't last too long. He didn't have much personality. Um, I did remember him from the Sega Genesis game, which helps. But other than that, it doesn't really do much for me. Yeah. If it wasn't for the game, I wouldn't remember who he is. I'd say C. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I'm being a little generous. I, I was going to give him a B. Which I thought he was satisfactory simply because um, uh, uh, Zordon took, uh, for the sake of the story, you know, thinking in the in the sense of the story, Zordon made a point to say, hey, uh, you guys, he's too much for you in this sense. So we've got to regroup. We've got to figure something out. And uh, yeah. so I'll give him a B. I'll say, hey, it was satisfactory. Uh, he, he worried Zordon, you know, and even though Zordon was this floating head, uh that was always like, whoa, whoa, whoa. like <laughs> zordon seemed like just this floating head but the fact of the matter is this guy was uh he's actually he was really powerful in his heyday he mm -hmm. was a, an incredible warrior uh the you know so i mean he he was you know but that was about right. ten thousand years ago when he sealed rita into the dumpster so he might right. be a little senile now who knows so he was, he was no <laughs> so for him to recognize that i guess the minotaur was a, a problem i guess uh, at least gives him a little bit above average yeah, yeah, that's fair. I mean, aside from my comment I just made, I think that he's a decent, competent um, yeah. mentor to the Rangers. Like, he doesn't always have the perfect answers, and maybe he can articulate some of them a little bit better. But aside from that, he he's a wise he's a wise caregiver that we all looked up to when we watched uh, Power Rangers together growing yes. up. He was the sage on the stage. Oh, I like the sound of that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I forgot to mention before we leave him in the dust, he had a he had a 5.5 inch evil space alien figure made in 1994 with uh, great detailing, but he was slightly off colored. He had more of like a orange, rust orange and brown look, uh, which I thought was interesting. Anyways, uh, moving on, we have King Sphinx from episode four, Oppressing Engagement. Uh, pretty straightforward name. I think it's kind of quick, snappy, catchy. Love it. I think he's a badass. I'm just going to say that straight, straight out. I love him. Uh, he's strong. He's cool. He's threatening looking. I, I like how he's got that whole Sphinx motif going on with like the, the headdress and the King Tut beard. Um, he's got wings that like flat, powerful gusts that push the Rangers back. He's got this cool cane and staff that he occasionally uses as hand weapons. Uh, he fires like fire beams, fire lasers out of his eyes when he's fighting Jason. And the whole purpose of him fighting Jason is like um, Rita wants to get Jason alone because if they defeat the leader, then how else are the rest of the Rangers going to function in battle? So that's kind of their right. idea with using him. Um, although I thought it's kind of strange that once they went giant, that Goldhar just joined him, you know, which is fine because Goldar is great in his own right. But yes. I, I really wanted the Sphinx just to like have his own space to do his own thing without Goldar. Like he's getting in the way, stealing the spotlight. That's it. Uh, I think that uh, he was definitely definitely memorable enough to uh, in in '93 when uh, Bandai came out with a line of miniature figurines. Mm -hmm. There's a King Sphinx one. Oh, cool! 
Yeah, and I have that. Uh, Brooke found a bunch of them still in the package at a Goodwill. I don't know who oh. in their wrong mind got rid of those, <laughs> but uh, I have them. Uh, I got the King Sphinx, and and uh, he's iconic looking. Uh, mm-hmm. And I I I do uh, when I think of Power Rangers villains, he's one of the ones that yeah. comes to mind. Definitely. And there was a, a board game in the 90s also, and he was featured as the main villain for the board game. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. It's a, a cover art, main guy. I mean, you had all the, you had a whole swarm of Putty Patrol, but and then you had the King Sphinx. So uh, much like you, Toby, he's one of the most iconic ones. And it's not like Bones, where I don't remember anything he did. I, I remembered what Sphinx did. I remember yeah. the power-ups. I remember trying to get uh, Jason alone. Yeah. Dude is memorable. A top-tier villain. Yeah, oh, yeah. And, and and for him to... Yeah, Goldar shows up, and then uh, after a lengthy battle, he falls to the power sword, mm-hmm. uh, which happens to all monsters uh, in the... Very battle. often, if not most of the time. <laughs> most of the time, yeah. All, yeah, is... Uh, but but what most is, is we need the power sword. Uh, yeah. And I think I have to agree with Brett when I think uh, I think they could have done more with this with this one, you know, because yeah. he yeah. stayed in the minds of fans for quite I mean, th- throughout the, you know, ages. Definitely. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better myself. Um, very striking look, simple color palette. He's got the vibrant yellow with like the bluish gray for his skin tone. Very big, muscular, very imposing looking like. If you saw this guy in my room right now, I'd run right through the window because I knew he meant business. Um, I do want to note that he actually had an eight-inch evil space alien figure in 1993 as well. So he's like one of the larger ones, which is pretty neat, along with Bones. And he was recently later remade uh, for 2020, uh, the Lightning Collection of Hasbro, along with a few others that I'll mention later. So it's, it's quite a privilege to be remade three decades later because, you know, new kids could get into Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and that's what they think of when they uh, see monsters. The only thing going back as an adult and watching it again was I, I was thinking his wings look like ears. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because the shape, it's like this. Imagine flapping ears, giant ears on your back. Like, sorry, I can't hear you. Can you speak up a little bit? Come closer. Or maybe I'll just blow you away with my ultrasonic something question marks i never understood why he shot question marks like what is he i <laughs> i think i think that cane is like a projection of the shape of his cane that he had yep. that's my best guess oh uh, very good okay yeah Perfect. otherwise he's like oh no i don't it, like he's asking the rangers trivia on the spot oh sphinx's <laughs> riddle it could be a it could be a barrage of Sphinx's riddles and the Rangers can't get it. And they're so mind blown that their head hurts that it leaves the King Sphinx an opening to whip their butts. <laughs> that's my guess. He's the Alex Trebek of uh, Rita's monsters. <laughs> yeah, that's gotta be. We just, yeah, it's interesting when you talk about this stuff and then you realize, oh, that was what it was, you know, because yeah. when you're a kid, you're like, oh, right. okay, shooting question marks. I guess that's <laughs> what he's going to do. He just decided. Yeah, so let's give our ranking for him before we move on. I, I'm just going to give him a triple S. I don't even care. He's, yeah. he's amazing. I love Me him. Me too. Yeah. Agreed. Cool. He's, he's, he's excellent. To be Anytime they make action figures, they always throw him in. So, I mean, he's, he's, he's yeah. great. Awesome. All right, moving on. Episode five, different drum. Uh, we have the gnarly gnome. And uh, I think his name's kind of catchy due to the alliteration. Um, I feel it's appropriate, although... It, 
I know we said we weren't going to mention Zero Ranger at all, but they did. I did find a little note that he was meant to be a Viking in the original Sentai footage. So I'm not really okay. sure why they switched that over to a gnome, but I guess it had to do with like the look of his face with the big nose and whatnot. I don't know. Um, Finster was reluctant to make Rita a music monster. So I guess this is the result of uh, forced labor. <laughs> like uh, Finster's got a sweatshop full of uh, clay monsters that he has to <laughs> slave away for like five cents on the dollar um, just to make Rita happy. And uh, he goes through literally thousands until one of them works. This was the one where the, he he used music against the yeah the Rangers, an accordion right? and, and and the uh, the girl who couldn't hear was the one who broke them was that how that went yeah there were so many episodes not just Power Rangers but uh, just kids shows in general where they would have either children or adults that were hypnotized through music. I remember uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles did that, <laughs> except it was rock music. Mm-hmm. And I, I think even the Super Mario Brothers Super Show did that. So by the time uh, Power Rangers came out and did that with Gnarly Gnome, uh, I, by this point I was doing an eye roll, like oh, this this again. But, <laughs> but the other shows didn't use a, a, a girl who couldn't hear, and it wasn't one of the main uh, Rangers, uh, which is why I liked this episode much like are you afraid of the dark did where they would take weaknesses of individuals and make that their their strength i think this is the first time that power rangers really did that and they used a really unique villain to do so so mm-hmm. i appreciate this villain for shining light on something that most kids wouldn't really pay much attention to yeah yeah me and brooke commented on that we it was actually the, the most recent power rangers episode we did i think it was a couple episodes ago it might have been our last episode uh, or maybe a couple ago, uh, but it, it, we did um, we did this episode, and uh, we, we said we we commented on just that, which was uh, just how they highlighted uh, the you know the strengths of um, of her uh, the the girl's uh, hearing uh, hearing loss, and uh, as far as uh, the the gnarly gnome on his own, um, if it wasn't connected to that. I wouldn't think he was so impressionable. Mm. I think it was, I think it was that whole arc with the deaf girl that made yep. it so impressionable. Yep. Right. Um, other than that, he just seemed to kind of play the accordion. Uh, Brooke and, and I, I see, uh, you know, I'm looking at the notes and stuff. You know, just the, these profiles that we've that we've got before us. And uh, Brooke absolutely said, "Is that a rake?" And I was like yes and she's like why he's a, he's a garden gnome you know he like rakes your garden when he's not fighting monsters <laughs> and then at one point uh he got into it with the megazord and if you remember the megazord was holding it at one point brooks like now the megazord has the rake i said i don't know maybe it just pulled <laughs> he probably got sick of using the power zord <laughs> uh yeah so i i i i like him in the greater narrative of that story uh by himself uh, I'm kind of like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You it's know. a fair, it, it's a fair assessment. Um, yeah. I, I didn't care for, for too much for this guy. I didn't like his personality too much. He seemed kind of aloof and bumbling. Um, uh, the only thing I really remember from him are like the weirdest attributes, like aside from the story, I think the story is great. Um, I love the whole magic dance and leading them to the cave and everything but you know if we're just looking at the monster with him removed from the story um he doesn't really have too much going for him i mean he had that feast in the cave and 
Babu and Squat were like serving him or something. And then I remember him going to Angel Grove and occasionally turning invisible uh, and then like walking around in just his boots. Um, I, I remember this weird like tra transformation thing too. Once he went giant to fight the Megazord where he like turned into a building like building gnome, building gnome, building gnome, oh, yeah. or like boulder gnome, boulder gnome, boulder gnome. And I was like, what is going on? This wasn't even explained earlier. Like, is it just <laughs> something he does? Is he like a, a illusionist or something? And that really took me out of his, uh, his appeal. I'm like, okay, this guy's just being annoying. He's using cheap parlor tricks. Just end his life already. End the rake. <laughs> yeah. Rake. Yeah, that, that's pretty much the only thing he's got going for him. Everyone remembers the rake more than him. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just, was, I'm yeah, I'm just thinking about the Megazord, and I just don't, I, I guess if I'm this big monster, I'm like, I don't think this, it, it's a Megazord. It's the Megazord. I don't know if the, if yeah. the rake is going to do anything to it. But. I think he fired a beam of energy out of his horns, too, for, for variety's sake, similar to the Minotaur. I, so yeah, I think they I just think threw so. they just threw that in to like make him more diverse, but... Uh, other than the, him being the second boss in the 94 SNES uh, Power Ranger game, eh, uh, I give him like a C. I agree. Uh, I, much like Toby had said, if it wasn't for the overall arc of the character, I just, it would have been another Bones. I would have just remembered him, yeah. the, the, his, his appearance. Yeah, yeah. I would give him a C, pretty average, yeah. Yeah, kind of forgettable. Cool. Uh, well, the next one's probably not as popular as King's Things, but he's definitely up there. Uh, certainly memorable with Pudgy Pig from Episode Six, Food Fight. And you know, as as I mentioned in the notes, actually, he's super iconic. He's got toys of him. You did an episode on him, Toby, and we had a brief little connection there. Um, I actually did this art series for those who see my Instagram page, Brett yeah. Wilson Art. Uh, about 20 early 2020 2021 somewhere around there um, I did a courage versus power ranger villain mashup for the heck of it and one of the things I did was pudgy the pig versus Jean bond the the pig butcher from courage and I just I just seeing that like brought back a whole wave of nostalgia for everyone who appreciated the art and I know you guys shared it too which I was really appreciative of um, but what's what's there to say about pudgy pig he loves to eat he, he invades Angel Grove. Uh, I think they had like a cultural food day thing going on at the juice bar. And he was just like, nom, 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 like eating everything in sight, ruining everyone's day, <laughs> spreading food everywhere, dropping popcorn, you name it from his mouth. Um, and, you know, just doing what a pig does best, except in monster form. Uh, and you guys yeah. have anything noteworthy to add about Pudgy Pig? Uh, I know that they did a story about pudgy pig um i had to do one of those ar things for school you read this you do a little report on it and i don't want to i hate reading i want to go play my games oh there's a story <laughs> on power rangers okay i'll read and i was expecting it to be its own story no it was a, a pre-teen novelized version of this episode and uh, is also the only Power Rangers monster I drew a picture of and gave to my dad, and he put on the in his garage, and it's probably still there to this day. Cool. Uh, that is one of the most iconic villains for me. Uh, I remembered what he did. I remembered. Uh, I think this is the one that was the 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 VHS, the Billy. Yeah. VHS. Yep. yep. So I I remember. I remember a lot about this one uh, for both the character, the personality, powers. 
Yeah, he's he's really well-rounded, kind of wacky and silly. And he also is one of the few monsters of season one that actually gets a second episode mm-hmm. uh, tied to him. Um, you know, obviously he shows up here and makes an impression, but he comes back around episode 46. I got the name of it, um, but like it involves Pudgy Pig actually like serenading a real life pig on a farm, which I thought was <laughs> odd, but also kind of funny so <laughs> uh, it, it's always nice to see villains that you appreciate um at least more than one time in a series yeah. that constantly rapid fires through uh you know monsters of the week yeah yeah I, I thought he was uh he had a very very interesting design he was essentially a head with legs and these yeah. two arms that like it was coming out of its mouth yeah the sides of its mouth um and, and and we did do this episode. We did this uh, an episode of this on the tape store. Uh, we, we, me and Brooke had trouble, honestly, just getting past how easily the cultural food festival devolved into chaos. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, but uh, w- the image I remember, I always try to, I'd always try to like go go back to what's the one thing I remember when I think about him, and I just remember him uh, crashing. This this uh, sweet family is having a picnic. <laughs> and he just completely like cra- like didn't he like, like take a popcorn bowl or something and like roll around on the table and he's like oh yeah. like, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> this like mother and daughter are like having a very like lovely day and he just like runs them off and like belly flops on their picnic <laughs> and then of course we, i remember the power rangers making him barf stuff up i think he, i think he yeah with the weapons. with the spicy radishes it was trini's idea to get That's him to it. regurgitate the the power weapons so that they can form them together and blast them to you know god knows where yeah it like something from <laughs> super mario too she like jams it in a hoagie yeah and like throws it and I think it just goes yep. anyway. I, I, that that was that's right. I forgot about the that radish, that spicy radish thing. I just remember yep. sticking it in the Subway sandwich. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Subway, eat fresh, <laughs> yeah. or eat eat spicy in this case. Um, yeah, uh, I just remembered uh, that the episode that he returns in is a pig surprise, and he mm-hmm. also makes a brief cameo in the I Illusion Part One when like a group of uh, monsters from the series kind of show up as illusions to the Rangers while they're there. Um, but those are all great points. He's like a very wacky, very iconic villain. Uh, you can't mistake him. As soon as you see him, you're like, Pudgy Pig! <laughs> we, yeah, we, think, we all know him. <laughs> and I think there's something to say about a villain, like, you know, especially when I'm thinking about Power Rangers villains, that they come down, uh, they're, they're, they're trashing the city, and they grow, and then they fight, you know, you know that, that, that normal Rangers formula. But there was just something about this monster. He's terrorizing the, these this poor little family. And I'm just like, <laughs> it was so impressionable. I just remember that poor mom and her kids. Mommy, mommy is Pudgy Pig going to invade our house and steal all of our food in the fridge? Yeah. I don't they're know, having such a, yeah, They're having such a nice day, you know. They probably never forgot about that for the rest of their lives. Like, yeah. The, the day we got scarred by a giant rubber pig suit right <laughs> that's great i love it um just just to wrap up with pudgy pig he did have a 5.5 inch evil space alien toy made after him in 1994 and that was actually the one that you uh, found on ebay toby so it's pretty uh, cool yes. if you like pull a, a lever on the back of his head he like opens his jaw up and down and he's got posable arms and i think he came with a weapon um, yes he, he is depicted in the Super Sentai with like a giant fork and knife. Um, I, was, I was kind of bummed to not see those because it would add to the comedy of using oversized uh, utensils. Yeah. Kind of like in um, 
Don Hertzfeldt's films from like the mid 2000s where you had like the little cotton candy anime characters being like, my spoon is too big. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go first and I'm just going to give him an S. I loved him. Um, wacky, wonderful. Uh, I did knock him down a peg or two because he only got defeated by the power blaster. I would have loved to seen like a giant Zord fight with him and like see him gobble the power sword or like, you know, raise the stakes once he's larger. But aside from that, I think he's he's a great villain. Still memorable today. Yeah, I'll give him an A. I, 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 I think that uh, the, the worst he did was just eat a bunch of stuff other than his icon look being iconic. Uh, he wasn't as, say, formidable as um king sphinx you know right so, yeah and, so. and i agree with toby i was going to give him an a as well okay yeah well I, i'm kind of a sucker for cartoony type characters and he is very cartoony so that's why i'm slightly higher that's good we're pretty much in the same range so far moving on speaking of food-based monsters we have chunky chicken from episode seven big sisters um it, sounds it's like, sounds it's, like a food chain it's it's funny you say that because i was just going to say um, Chunky Chicken reminds me of both Chunky Chicken and Chewy Chicken from Rocco's Modern Life. I'm like, wait a minute, why is that thing a giant chicken on top of the restaurant in Rocco? Did they like kill Chunky Chicken and skewer him, and that's how they made the restaurant? It, that's what I thought when I was a kid. I I don't I don't know what happened there. <laughs> um, but he's I, I think he's pretty cool looking. He's got a pretty diverse uh, color palette. He's got like some blues, some greens, some reds, yellow beak. Um, whitish kind of feathers sometimes he's he wears this red hat sometimes he's got like the little i forgot what this thing's called waddle i don't know um but you know he he's kind of an oddball but lesser extent than pudgy pig because he doesn't really have like any specific powers he's not very strong per se like he's just kind of there to essentially kidnap um I think it's either Kimberly or Trainee's like little sister. I think it's Kimberly's. And, um, you know, she's like dangling from a rope and Chunky Chicken's like, oh, take another step and I'll like cut the rope and then she'll fall to her doom. And then uh, when Chunky Chicken grows large um, and the Megazord fights him, essentially all he does is like jump around trying to dodge the Megazord's attacks using these interdimensional scissors where he literally like cuts a line down into the sky and then goes behind it kind of for a comical effect. Um, and then just, you know, pops up here and there. And Megazord's like, all right, enough of this baloney. I'm going to end this fight. Stop wasting my time. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't very memorable to me. Um, yeah. Same. I, I, I don't have, I mean, it was a, a standard, you know, they show up, they grow Megazord. Yeah. You know, um, and it was a big chicken. I, I agree with Brett on the colors. It was very brilliantly colored and stuff. But uh, other than that, it just like a big chicken. There was no, um, again, I, I King Sphinx right now is the uh, is the yeah. standard. Yep. Uh, and he had a lot of really neat uh, things about him uh, physically. And this was just like an oversized chicken. So I was just kind of like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And unlike Bones, I remember what Bones looked like. And when I think of villains, I remember bones i don't remember what he did i just remember what he looked like the chicken mm -hmm. is completely out of memory until someone brings the chicken up again oh yeah that happened and that's and that's all i i just remembered he was in it i remember what he looked like uh until this retrospective nothing i i had no memory of the character or what he did uh, 
yeah. and how easily defeated he was, and it didn't really do much damage to the Rangers or the Megazord. Yeah, the most he got in was like a punch or two. That's it. Um, it, it, it was definitely a, a, a really weak villain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not much going for him. I mean, aside from the, the silly little Rocco connection I had with it, with its name <laughs> and the colors didn't do anything for me. So I'm going to give it like either a D or an F. It's like straddling the line. Um, I'd probably, say D. Yeah. Let's do D. I would say D. Yeah. I would agree with that verdict. Cool. All right. Get out of here, Chunky Chicken. We're, we're done with your meal. Um, moving on to another one of my personal favorites. We have I Guy from episode eight, which is titled I, I Guy. And the interesting thing about this guy is that uh, he's covered with a bunch of eyes. He, he takes reference from another Greek mythology character called Argus, who had like thousands of eyes all over him, uh, which I believe he was able to like see um, like people that were coming forth to him in the Elysian fields in the underworld. Don't call me on that because it's been like, at least two decades since I took mythology <laughs> in like Latin class, but I think that's where I remember him from. Argus is the connection, and um, he, he has—he doesn't exactly have a lot of personality, but the few times he does speak, I find him kind of amusing, kind of you know playful, fun, uh, like interested in in causing havoc for the Rangers. Because what he does is he kidnaps Billy's younger brother, like. Apparently all these um, Power Rangers have like just one sibling that needs to be kidnapped, <laughs> you know, for the sake of plot. And, um, you know, he gets kidnapped from the science fair and he's like developing this VR headset before Virtual Boy became a thing a year later. So it's like cutting edge and already tested it out. And it's like, whoa, it's like I'm actually on the roller coaster at Lake Compounds. Um, and, you know, he, he, he brings him to another dimension. I guess this is one of the monsters who has that kind of capability where like, you know, he's, kid he's kidnapped a kid, trapped them in their dimension. Rangers have to go rescue him. He's stuck in this weird, like, American Gladiators gyroscope kind of thing, which I laughed out loud at when I saw. <laughs> um, I, I would say in terms of, like, weaponry and abilities and stuff like that, uh, he mostly shoots, like, projectiles from his eyes, like eye lasers. Uh, he's got this weird thing with, like, two eyes <laughs> in his chest, like, kind of pop out suggestively and, like, turn into like chain chomp mouths. I don't even know how to describe it. You just, you just have to watch it. It's very bizarre. And you know, that's, that's all the Japanese footage's fault. That's not American culture's yeah. fault. Yeah. Um, like Bones, he was blasted by the power blaster and then like disintegrated into a bunch of eyeballs. And then because he has this like one giant creepy looking eye stalk that like, um, I, I guess serves as its core. They all just like come yeah. back together into the monster again, which, you know, I think it helps with his resiliency of being a formidable foe for the Rangers. It, it scared me in two different ways as a kid. Hmm. Uh, the, the design of the character is extremely iconic as well. He's one yeah. of the ones that it's, it's iconic. Uh, because, <laughs> uh, when I think of villains, he's one I think of immediately, but also not only did the, the, did the design scare me as a kid, but the idea of it scared mm. me because I was thinking if I was made completely of eyes, my fingers are eyes, my arms are eyes. How could I punch and it not hurt myself? Also, mm -hmm. how can he go to the bathroom? Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> you can pink eye. Where? 
<laughs> yeah. So it, it the idea of it really scared me, and the visualization of it really scared me, which makes him stand out for me a, a, a whole lot more. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I liked the um, I liked his design. I, I liked the power that uh, you know breaks apart and can come back together. That that makes that's like a whole new layer of of uh, of of being formidable, you know, as a mm -hmm. villain. Uh, I liked the idea that um, there he had a weakness, which was this main eye, and Billy was able to pick that out. You know, it was like, hey, his eyes open, and it, so they weren't <laughs> able to uh, do anything about him until that eye was open. So I. I, I I just it is that pretty simple, simplistic. Yeah, it's the Power Rangers. It's supposed to be campy and simplistic. It's the beauty of it. Mm. But but it just adds another layer to the villain that yeah. there's strengths and there's weaknesses. It's not just this big thing running around. I Go liked ahead. whenever they had villains who were defeated outside of just the Megazord. I, I liked seeing a little variety every once in a while. Yeah. So that was nice to see too. Yeah, definitely. Um, I do want to mention also that this isn't the first or the last time. Sorry, not the last time that we've seen eye guy he actually appears later in season two in zed's haunted mansion um which i thought was kind of cool to see because apparently he was a kind of iconic enough back then to make a return a season later uh and he also had a 5.5 inch evil space alien figure which i got to play with as a kid because my friend ryan uh who lived in front of me uh, ryan hopefully you're listening to this if you're still alive uh <laughs> fond memories of me playing with all of his power ranger toys um i definitely remember like pressing one of the buttons on the back and like shooting the the chest eyes out with like little strings attached kind of similar to how um the the crumb action figure from other monsters operated so th that you know just having the physical toy the touch and like feel the bumpiness of the eyes uh really adds to his like lasting appeal and memorability and for some reason i always thought that he looked like a frog to me like Ugh. for some reason the eye, like the eyes all over the body just Oh, I see that. I, I tuned out the details, but like when it came to to like the two big eyes on top and then like the mouth on bottom, like and the little nostrils, it's like, oh, kind of looks like a white frog covered in eyeballs. Yeah, I can see it. I can see <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. So this was pretty memorable for me. Uh, he was also the third boss in the SNES uh, 94 beat em up game. So he's got more staying power there uh, beyond the show. So, you know. I, th I think he's pretty iconic. Maybe not like super iconic as King Sphinx, but definitely memorable, e even yes. today. Yes. Uh, oh, and he also has a, a Hasbro uh, Lightning Collection toy that's being made of him too. So that further solidifies his legacy. Uh, so what would you guys rank iGuy? I would put him as an A. He's really, really an iconic character. Uh, he's kind of a mainstay, one of the few to come back, mm -hmm. and gave a bit of variety for... Uh, the way that he was defeated yeah cool and, and and i would actually go a little step further and give him an s so uh, i'm kind of right there i i really liked uh, his design and uh again just i was really impressed with that when he was when he broke apart and came back together i just mm -hmm. that was a really impressive power so yeah and for reasons toby just outlined i'm going to bump it up to an s as well because i play with the toy have the memory heard the video game loved him as a boss loved the way he looked i love the the lore behind it even the greek mythology connections um so he stands out to me maybe not as much as king sphinx but if you see i guy you'll know what we're talking about it's mighty more right. from power rangers um so yeah uh moving on we have a very odd entry here this is uh <laughs> Oh, oh, oh yeah oh, god <laughs> that, that's that's the best 
<laughs> hey, kids, you want to come to my bottle? <laughs> Uh, yeah, how this memorable is... is how memorable is this guy? All you gotta do is go, oh, and you know exactly who it is. It, he's memorable for being bad. Yes. <laughs> so this guy's name is Mr. Tickle Sneezer, or some people refer to him as just Tickle Sneezer. He's from episode nine for Whom the Bell Tolls. And <laughs> the reason why he exists is because Trini likes to collect dolls, all sorts of dolls, like some pretty cool China-looking dolls, some pretty expensive-looking ancient antique dolls and then you got this weird looking troll tourist thing with a really big grin on his face and eyes that can stare into your soul and uh we end up seeing like what what turns out to be spoiler a dream where she imagines in her sleep that he comes to life and is essentially hired by rita to you know capture the power rangers and he ends up using these like little bottles with corks from his like tourist garb whatever he's wearing he looks like a troll mashed up with where's waldo uh he he essentially uses these different size bottles to capture different things and just collect them that's his power that's all he does um he he ends up collecting like billy's car when they're trying to get away billy and trainee he ends up collecting like uh like a like a rail rail train from japan because why not uh and he even tra- trapped like the buildings and a megazord too but uh i think I forgot how he gets out of the glass bottle. I think it just, he's like, I don't want to be in the bottle anymore. And the Megazord <laughs> pops out, punches him, you know, a couple of times and uh, destroys him. So I don't know what I really want to say about this guy. I mean, I, I re- <laughs> put it this way, Toby, you love finding Power Rangers stuff at, you know, Goodwill and other thrifting shops. I think yeah. this is, this is one monster that's better left left in the bargain bin, yeah. very deep in the bottom. <laughs> I, I, if I'm not mistaken, um, Trini dreamed the whole thing. Yeah, it so, was all a dream. Yeah, it. I I don't know. It, it it's so different from anything else. Um, it, it's almost like does he qualify as a villain or not? Yeah, yeah. He's and not actually like, evil. He's just kind of bumbling and like, oh, what am I doing? Let's let's do open these bottles and put things in them. And oh, this this lady he, with pointy hairs yelling at me. Oh. Like, he's an doing? antagonist. Yeah, in, in, he's in a the lightest antagonist, sense. but he's not a villain. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Fair. Well, yeah, it makes you wonder what the the writers were were doing or <laughs> that day when they were writing that story. <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to know. <laughs> it's it's like taking that goofy, inept, dumb ventriloquist dummy yep, and, com- yep. and, com- and combining it with Brainiac, and you have Tickle Sneezer. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And I hated him as a kid, uh, yeah. just because he felt like a freaking cheat. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you waited a week for that. Yeah. For a day or whatever, yeah. I got through a day of school to get home in the afternoon. For... <laughs> yeah, what yeah. what a waste of rushing home from the bus to catch Power Rangers. Right. right I, I think even the showrunners or the prop department agreed with you guys because they later like disassembled this monster suit and repurposed him as like one of the blue skinned elves in uh, the Power Rangers special White Ranger Christmas. If you look closely, he's wearing uh, like a, a Santa hat and. Um, you know, he's just got blue skin. I think he has a, a body from a different monster too that's attached to him. So I thought that was like an interesting fun fact because I know there's another monster in season two 
uh, that we'll probably get to way later in this podcast. That was essentially like a, a baboon that was converted into a Yeti. Yeah. So I, let's not belabor this anymore. I'm giving it an F. Yeah. F. Same. All right. Sayonara, tickle sneezer. And moving on to Nasty Night with episode 10. Happy birthday, Zach. Uh, I, I like his name. It's it's kind of playful yet serious. You know, I like the Mortal Kombat K alliteration going on there. Um, I like his look a lot too. He's very imposing, very threatening, all black and gold. You know, he's he's like a knight in the European sense with like the coat of arms on his uh, shield. He's also got like a, a sword that was like forged through Rita's spell that actually summoned him. So he wasn't he wasn't your run of the mill, um, you know, Finster's pottery barn kind of monster. He was actually, you know, dark magic uh, manifesting kind of monster, which, you know, adds an extra edge to his uh, personal mythology. Um, he, when, when he fought Zach alone, when like he was, you know, in that, in that quarry where monsters often fight with them, he, he put up a really good fight. He had a lot of speed. He had, he like had that warrior's mindset where he constantly knew what he was doing and looking for openings to like hit him. And, uh, he had this like weird ability to, uh, I don't, I don't know how to really describe it, but when he would touch weapons with his sword, he would like fry them like not not in like a mcdonald's fast food fries kind of sense but more like you know the it, it became like unusable because it was covered in scorch marks and like weird cracks and it just was like inept or um inert sorry that's the word so i i think he was a force to re-reckon with and he was also on the the power rangers black ranger vhs tape back in the day so that further adds to his iconography um what you guys have to uh, say about nasty night I like the way he looked. Um, I, I really like the armor, I like the shield and stuff. I, I don't remember that episode, episode like uh, the story arc and stuff, but I do remember him. Mm -hmm. I remember like his shield with like the three lions on it. Uh, I just thought he looked really neat. Um, and, uh, you know, again, pretty durable. Uh, eventually he had to grow, you know. that It did take the Megazord to beat him, which, you know, um, means he was fairly powerful you know they couldn't just you know uh they couldn't deal with him any other way uh but yeah i i just really like the way he looks i just thought he looked really cool yeah very striking uh nasty night made me very very happy i was sick because at the time when this came out it came out in the morning and it came out after school and uh it I always got frustrated because when school would start, that was right when Power Rangers was starting back up on uh, Fox Kids and mm. then I got to miss it. I was sick. I stayed home and I got to watch this one episode mm. and I remember really being afraid for Zach in this episode. I, I, we're, just the buildup alone for this character <laughs> really made him stand out. Yeah, And I really love whenever we get to see Rangers do a one-on-one -on -one battle and really have to survive it, it, it and it feels like survival it doesn't feel like oh i can do one hand behind my back and uh, no it really felt like you know zach's zach's in trouble and i love this character love yeah this yeah he's he's like a night and day <laughs> night and day with a tickle sneezer because he's out for blood he doesn't mess around because you know he was summoned from dark magic not from Trainee's doll. You know, I, I feel like the source material has a hand in how effective a monster is. Just saying, yes. Rita. Just saying. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I did notice that when even when he was giant and fought the Megazord, he was also very fast on his feet. He, yes. he like he didn't slow down like some monsters do when they get bigger, or he didn't like 
he didn't like lose his sense of strategy or orientation. He was just constantly focused on, on the Megazord. And I think it goes back to that will of the warrior kind of mindset where they just want to destroy the target at all costs. And, you know, that's, that's what happens when you face a formidable foe is they constantly keep the pressure on because you are fighting for your life. You're not just fighting them because they're there. Um, but because you have to survive and defend whatever you have to defend to save. Um, he did get his own 5.5 inch evil space alien figure in 1994, which is pretty cool. Of course, uh, some of you at home who are listening may have one of those. Uh, if you do definitely send us a picture, we'd love to see, you know, these evil space alien figures. Um, he, he did, uh, reflect some of the like power beams that the Megazord, no, sorry. Um, the, the Megazord, uh, tried to use one of its like signature power slashes with the power sword on him. And he reflected it back with the sword. So I thought that was really cool. Similar with like, uh, I think I guy being able to reflect something at some point when they fought. Uh, so that, that adds to his sense of resiliency. Um, he's really like good at defending, uh, counterattacks, that sort of thing. And if that weren't enough, he has some, uh, lore behind him too, because, uh, according to the power Rangers wiki fandom page, uh, he actually stole the sword of darkness that evil green ranger later uses. Uh, from Zordon 10,000 years ago when there's like a great Power Ranger war and uh, oh, wow. he gave he gave it to Rita as a gift. So that kind of connects to the Evil Green Ranger saga, which I think is pretty awesome. Yeah, that's that's cool. I, th- that I, I had totally yeah. forgotten about. Yeah, I, I respect this monster. Like yeah. I, I will kneel before his presence because <laughs> he, he knows what he's doing. He means business. He commands the scene when he's there. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to give him a double S. Uh, I'm I'm between double S and triple S. Uh, he, he, he's top tier for me. I'd I'd say triple S. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'll give him a double S. Um, I I I I really liked him. Awesome. Yeah. Nasty night. You have stolen our hearts. <laughs> uh, moving on, we have Pinoctopus from episode eleven. No clowning around. <laughs> um, I think he has a clever name combination of pineapple and octopus because it describes his look. Uh, he essentially looks like a kind of a jangly jester uh, who also looks like some sort of pine tree or pineapple. And, he, and he's got like yellow tendrils coming out of the middle with like several weird pointy scorpion tail appendages all around. Um, he also has like weird eye stalks too. It just makes him look really creepy. And if that weren't enough, he also disguises himself as a clown when um, he turns all the rangers, well, attempts to turn all the rangers to cardboard at like the carnival that they're attending in the episode. Um, so right, right away, he's like, he, he's not exactly like a, a in your face kind of villain. He, he, he definitely has those moments, but he's more like a conniving, sneaky uh, villain that adds to his personality, which I like a lot. Um, for some reason, he just reminds me a lot of Zebo because when he was in clown form, he was really <laughs> creepy, like child predator creepy. <laughs> yeah, he, he, I didn't think he was as impressive as the monster as much as he was as the clown like that. He he is a um, he is a surprisingly really good character because again, not just this big monster that stomps around. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has this other persona. He, so he he's right. a clown, and then he turns into this this big thing, looks like a pine tree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I was really impressed with uh, mainly the clown aspect, whether it's Zebo, who you know will always be so iconic, or Pennywise. There's something about the clown. Uh, yeah. when it is put into this villainous uh yeah. for some reason they make such good villains which is why they 
I don't, I do Can't not be trusted. How, I do not know how there was ever a time when people were like, oh, yay, clowns, wonderful. It's going to be great. Right. Yeah. And well, see, like, I, I yeah. am the opposite. I've never really found clowns scary or intimidating. <laughs> uh, I, I, I just, I just haven't. Uh, <laughs> so when I was a kid watching this and then watching it again as an adult, I'm like, it's a clown. <laughs> it's a clown. What are you guys doing? And then it turned into a giant pineapple tree. I'm like, it's, it's a tree. What are you guys doing? <laughs> the only thing that the thing that really stuck with me was what he did, which was the freaking cardboard turn, t- mm-hmm. trying to turn everybody into cardboard. It reminded me of that Batman episode when Joker turned Batman into a surfboard. <laughs> oh, I'd love wow. to see a clip of that. Yeah. But- Holy human surfboards. Robin being processed into human surfboards. But uh, I, I don't, I didn't remember him. And then they, the cardboard thing. I'm like, oh, this episode. Okay, yeah. I <laughs> see. Pi- see, a, pineapple. Don't nope. Yeah. Aside from the Zebo connection that I made as a kid, because you know I was really big into Are You Afraid of the Dark and Power Rangers a lot back then. Um, I, I remember him from the Pink Ranger VHS tape that was at video stores w- because she was fighting Pinoctopus on the cover, even though it doesn't really have to do anything with the Pink Ranger. I think they just needed a monster that was like early season one to put on the VHS tape. Yeah. Um, what else can I say about yeah, those? Him? Those VHS came out early in the yeah. history of the. I, I, I remember getting the Day of the Dumpster one with the Red Ranger on it. Easter, yeah. Easter present for me. I remember that yep, one. Yep, Christmas for me. <laughs> First episode, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but we're not including that one on this list because we fight Goldar and he never really gets defeated. Yeah. So, man, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do, I do want to note that there was this one particular scene which I got a screenshot of, um, where like Pine Octopus is taunting the Rangers while they're small and he like grew to giant size, and something about that image, I don't know. Uh, I think just seeing the contrast in size really drives home his feeling of uh, terror for me. Like in addition to being afraid of clowns who turn into weird tendril hentai monsters from another dimension, uh, I just seeing a massive monster like looming over the Rangers, I guess further solidified for me that he's somewhat of a threat. Um, however, he as, as jovial as he is and as uh, charismatic with his like whole cardboard, turning people a cardboard gimmick which he did to uh, a putty and trainee's little sister this time around. Um, he, he was, he kind of had a disappointing defeat. Like we, we got to see Billy Zord, the Triceratops use its like um, horns to, to launch as like these weird chain grapples to, to hook him, which was pretty cool. You know, uh, an instance where uh, we see the individual sh- Zords shine with their own unique powers instead of just immediately going to Megazord. So I, I like the diversity of the battle, but you know, after some just some horn hooks and then the Megazord, just some punches and dodging here and there, uh, immediately shifted to, um, you know, the Megazord using the shockwave move with the T-Rex switch for some reason, um, obliterating him after the Mastodon froze him and like wrapped him in saran wrap that was spray painted <laughs> white, which I thought was hilarious. But, you know, I get we get the idea. We're kids. We don't care about the details. Um, and then like the giant, he just kind of Magic fairy dust vaporized away. So that's the pine octopus. He is uh, he's a quirky, unusual character. 
Um, I remember him more for his weird offbeat quirkiness and the cardboard thing more than his effectiveness as a villain. I'm going to give him a C. That's what I was giving. Yeah, I'm going to be generous just based on the clown thing. Uh, just because he was unusual, I'm going to, I'm going to give him a B. Okay. Say he was splatisfactory. I, I thought he was. Uh, I thought it was very creative. Uh, yeah. Anytime a villain uh, has more than one form, I, I always find that interesting. School too. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll get to her and a few others that change form later on. So um, it's this isn't the end of that. Um, I just do just want to mention for all the Power Ranger geeks out there that he does reappear in the Isle of Illusion uh, again as like a illusion, just like um, Pudgy Pig and I Guy did before. But moving on, we've got Terror Toad from episode 12, which is titled Power Ranger Punks. And oh boy, this is a weird episode in, in of its own, but having a giant like bullfrog with teeth swallow the rangers and then have their heads immediately appear on his stomach. They used to scare the crap out of me as a kid. Like, this guy's terrifying. Territory. That's, yeah. That's exactly what I remember is the, the faces on his stomach. And I was like, yeah, like okay. I, I mean, I saw them, them go into his mouth. Like, I saw their legs. Like, I'm like, yeah, he, we literally got to see like a side shot of him swallowing all the rangers. Like, I don't, I don't need to, like, you don't <laughs> have to state the obvious. Like, they're in there. Yeah, it, it was it was gratuitous gluttony at its finest. <laughs> uh, but yeah, outside like of the Kruger nightmare worthy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> outside they... of the stickers on the stomach, though, I, I I didn't think there was much to him. If it wasn't for that, I would yeah. I would have completely forgot him. I just remember the heads on the stomach. Yep. Yeah, that's that's how I remember him too. Be, that and just the swallowing the Rangers whole. That's what struck struck me more as uh, terrifying than anything. Because unfortunately, he didn't get like a Zord battle. He he actually got defeated by uh, like a very well placed power bow uh, arrow fire from Kimberly. She she came to save the day because she's the only one that wasn't swallowed at the time, um, and yeah, defeated him before he had a chance to grow big. Uh, what else can we say about him? <laughs> if Yoshi turned evil, yes, <laughs> this is what we'd get. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that he had this like weird protrusion on the top of his head that like projected this like yellowy eel thing that would like extend like a tongue and then like wrap around the rangers like it did around trainee to like pull them in i guess it was like a tongue tongue gimmick uh it's hard to say but i guess that adds a little interest to him but other than that he just he, he was very similar to pudgy pig except he swallowed rangers not weapons and that's all he had going for him <laughs> yeah I, I would agree Outside of that memory of the stickers on the stomach, like the yeah, not yeah. Much to him. So, so what do you want to rank him? <laughs> I would give him a C. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I would give him a B just because I remember how mm-hmm. angry I was at this episode <laughs> because Jason was my favorite, and then I'm like, how are you gonna do Jason this way? It's a matter yeah, of right? you. Oh, I was so mad. Yeah. Originally, I was going to give him an A just because he scared the crap out of me as a kid with that mm-hmm. frightening look in the razor teeth and eating the rangers. But now that I talk about his abilities out loud, it's not that big of a deal. I'm going to give him a B. Like he's slightly better above the average ones for his look. Like that, I remember that we yes. remembered the swallowing gimmick. So you know, he's a little bit better than gnarly gnome in my book. Yeah, he 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 was pretty nightmare inducing as a kid. And you remember what he did. He's, he's not 
he's a threat, but just not much of a threat. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, So moving on, we have Madam Woe, which is from episode 13, Peace, Love, and Woe. I remember her very distinctly, not only for her name, because it's very fitting and catchy, and not only because um, she was summoned as like a monster from somewhere in the galaxy to attack the Rangers instead of being created artificially, uh, but I remember her from the Power Rangers game from the Sega Genesis. She was one of the villains. She had this really cool like Aurora Borealis kind of background behind her with temples and like uh, gold plated uh, surface and you would just fight her and she'd all, she would always go like this when she was taunting you. <laughs> and for those oh, who played the gosh, game, you would right. know it. Yeah, that, yeah. that shrieking cackle is is why she sticks out to me and her striking look she's she's basically just a two-toned um color palette she's got like this icy blue white and then like a a deeper like cerulean blue for her hair braids and um you know i think she has a pretty good arsenal up her sleeve she she can attack with her extended razor sharp um nails fingernails she can also use her braids as like a whip to extend out and like trap or, or latch onto the rangers and like bash them for whatever reason. Um, she also had the ability to like use ice breath um, against the rangers and freeze them, but they pretty much dodged that. So it wasn't a big deal there. But uh, she also was able to bring them into another dimension briefly because from what I remember in this episode, Billy had like a love interest and uh, she was trapped or kidnapped in, in a dim- another dimension. So Billy, it was his task to go rescue her uh, and be like her specific hero for the episode. Um, and I did note that she did not, she did not unfortunately get uh, a giant Megazord battle, which you know is unfortunate, but not every monster can experience that. We need diversity. She actually was defeated after Billy like grabbed her, her, um, her crown jewel on her forehead and like crumpled it. Apparently that's the source of her power. And um, you know, after that weakened her, that left her wide open for a uh, power blast from the power blaster once uh, all the Rangers put their weapons together. I, I liked her a lot. Um, I thought her design was was really um, just really cool looking. Uh, most of the monsters that we see are real bulky and she was really like sleek looking and, and uh, she had that floaty um, dress kind of fabric yeah. all over her. And she floated a lot whenever she uh, came closer to the Rangers. So it, it gave her like a ghostly feel yeah. to her, like an otherworldliness that you didn't get with other types of monsters. Yeah. And, and the, the blades that came out of her fingers, I thought were just really creepy looking. I, I love that she was something that exi- that was not created by Finster. She's something that, for all we know, had always existed. Yeah, she's uh, a monster for hire. <laughs> yeah, and I I just thought she was really cool. I'm I, I mean, I'm going to I'm going to rate her fairly high, you know. I I sure. liked her a lot. I don't really have anything to add. You you guys have pretty much covered everything I was going to say. Oh, I do want to mention two things cuz that does remind me actually. Um she was voiced before, you know, she was known as uh Lois on Family Guy uh by Alex Borstein. Uh, she was also on Mad TV too. So you, you'll notice that when we go through a few of these monsters, they were voiced by some well-known uh, actors uh, as they've developed their reputation yeah. since, which is pretty cool. Um, she was also the first female monster of the week in the series for season one. Um, so I got to give her props for breaking ground there. Yeah. And she, and they, and they did it with a really cool villain. So, yeah. 
So what do you guys want to rank uh, Madam Well? I'm going to give her two S's. I'm going to give okay. her, uh, yeah, I'm going to give her SS. I agree. I agree. I like her a lot. She's memorable. She's got the laugh. She's got the look. She's got the arsenal. She's got uh, all otherworldly powers taking you to another dimension. And even if she, um, even if she didn't grow big to fight the Megazord, I feel like she didn't need it. I think she had a lot of intrigue with her appeal, her name, her her backgrounds, uh, just her interaction with the Rangers overall. She's memorable. Yeah, she, they 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 nailed it with her. I thought it was a good one. Yeah, I think she's one of the best designed. Yeah, I'd say too. Uh, uh, she really like utilized her powers to the fullest extent, based on her uh, physical appearance. All right, moving on, we have Snizzard, which is from episode fourteen, Foul Play in the Sky. Um, I think his name is based off of like combining snake with lizard. Maybe it's, it's kind of a meh name to me, um, but I do love his design because I did have the evil space alien figure of him growing up. It was like my very first one that I got like on my own. I didn't have to go to my neighbors to play with it, which was a big achievement. And <laughs> I remember it had a lever on the back of it that you just pull down and like it would unhinge its jaw all the way down to its uh, hips and just like open up, which made me like geek out but also i was terrified to do it because he was a very striking kind of character um he was voiced by brian cranston which you may know from malcolm in the middle and breaking bad fame which i thought was interesting uh although he you can't really detect it when he's actually speaking because it's just like quick little one-liners and grunts in here and there but it's it's still cool to know nonetheless um and the fact that brian cranston went on to be zordon in the later pirate ranger movie yeah, moving on up in the in the Power Ranger universe. Go yeah, from I thought a, it was cool. For, hero. Yeah. I thought it was cool that he did that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other than that, I, I have to say there's not really much going for Snither other than his appearance. Like he, he's got two two arms. I think they're made out of cobras um, that are snakes. He's got like the big golden snake body. He's got this weird little apple head with like scales going down his back and and spots. And then he's got like a bunch of tangled snakes for legs like medusa style mm-hmm. um very very striking looking i think it's cool that he had a toy but very similar to terror toad he was just defeated by kimberly using a well-placed arrow actually to shoot the apple on his head for whatever reason i think it has to do more of like some sort of william tell backstory from the <laughs> sentai footage so we'll just leave it at that i was i was disappointed by his defeat even if he looked cool this look very much reminded me of serpentor from gi joe yeah, I mean, he he appeared in the Isle of Illusion later in season one, and I think he showed up for Zed's Monster Mash in season two and the wedding in season three. Uh, but other than quick little cameos, kind of forgettable. I yeah. hate to say it. I thought he was kind of forgettable too. I didn't really remember him. Yeah, I'm going to give him a D just for that. I love the toy, but I can't be biased with this guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with Brett's uh, writing. I, I third. Cool. Well, rolling right along, we have Dark Warrior from episode 15, also called Dark Warrior. And uh, well, let's let's put it this way. He has a very generic name. He kind of feels like a lesser nasty knight, but boy, does he have an arsenal to fight the Rangers. He's he's like a he's essentially he's a ninja with like camo and a very dashing scarf, I might add. Um, and he he does everything he can to trip up the Rangers. Uh, because I believe from the episode, uh, he's like trying to get a potion from Trainee's relative grandfather, who's like a scientist, and 
I don't know. I didn't pay attention. He, he had to figure something out. That's not important. The important thing is that he had like all these really cool weapons that he fought the Rangers with. And I would say he's one of the fastest, if not the fastest uh, monster that we see fight the Megazord once he's big. Like he was running circles around him. Like, oh, I'm going to grab you with a kunai of chain here. I'm going to blast like a Mega Man cannon right out of my forearm at you. I'm going to do some punches and kicks. I'm going to slide around. I'm going to roll. I'm going to do backflips. You got nothing on me, giant robot. <laughs> he reminded me of an evil man-at-arms from Masters of the Universe. Um, I, I thought everything was cool about him, except the, I, I can't, the camo, the camo. Like, <laughs> A little distracting. Get up is just weird. <laughs> um, yeah. And the teal scarf. Can't forget that. <laughs> but I have to agree with Brett with uh, his arsenal. Uh, he, he actually uh, managed to kind of pull the, uh, he had the chain and he was able to, you know, like give the Megazord a run for its money for a minute. Uh, so I, in that sense, I thought it was impressive, but you know, the, the camo, I was kind of like, okay, he's like a, like a, like a, like a bad GI Joe figure or something. Yeah. It's kind of like when you got those really cheesy knockoff Nintendo games back in the day and you're like this, what is this? This looks dumb. And then you got yeah. playing it and you're like, you know what? This is actually really good. You take the <laughs> appearance aside and look at what he can do and how much of a threat he possesses. Yes. He's a genuine threat. He just yeah. looks ridiculous. Well, on one hand, you know, we love the iconic look of uh, Pudgy the Pig. He, he was so iconic looking, but yet, yes. you know, the Dark Warrior, not so iconic looking, but yet Dark yep. Warrior, um, he uh, threatened to kill one of Trini's family members. So that really yeah. kind of ups the ante and being a Power Ranger, you know, the people you yep. care about are now being threatened. And he was going to like, you know, strap him to a bomb and just, yep. I mean, this is the it first... It yeah. turned out to be um, Trini's uncle Howard, who actually invented an invisibility formula. So I guess ninjas being stealthy, you got to have that invisibility. <laughs> yeah, I just thought that that's pretty uh, that's pretty dastardly to um, and you know to, to have your family threatened. It's it's <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. I I thought it was uh, a, a, a new level of ruthlessness we were seeing from a monster. So it, it definitely. Oh, yeah. Earned, earned, earned some points with me there. So definitely, yeah. I just love the fact that he was he was so blinding fast and agile when when uh, the Rangers were like forming the Zords. I remember even when they got to tank mode, he was like, "Oh, they're going to blast me! I'm just going to somersault right out of the way. Doesn't even phase me." Right. Like you got to you got to do better than that, Rangers, if you're going to try and land a hit. I've got to say that if he has a semi mundane name and a kind of goofy camo outfit, his, his prowess and his ability more than make up for that as like a formidable foe. Like he's right up there with nasty night for me. Um, so I'm going to rank him an a, because I think he's formidable. Yeah. I, I'd probably, I would have probably put him at a B. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say an a uh, mainly what puts me over into the a and out of the the B range is, is again, that level of ruthlessness to threaten Trini's uncle. I was like, okay, it's, yeah, they didn't all do that. You know, a lot of them just came to kind of run amok in Angel Grove. Yeah. High uh, stakes. But, but this is really personal. So I, I thought that was good. Yeah. So I'm going to give him an A as well. Yep. Sounds good to me. All right. Moving on. <laughs> we have da, 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 the genie, not, not the genie from uh, Nick Arcade, but genie and i find that's kind of interesting um this was from episode 16 switching places where kimberly and billy essentially switch places and they pretend to be each other 
that's all you need to know. I don't I don't really remember what he did to like be summoned, but you know, um, I think it's interesting that they fought a genie. I just want to know why he has a Egyptian Anubis god, the dead head, to go with flamboyant, sparkly pants that are baggy. Like he's like <laughs> I, I, I don't know how else to put it. It's, it's as if I Dream a Genie was a jackal <laughs> and it had a giant power wind-up drill that it wanted to drill in you. <laughs> I think it was another villain that uh, wasn't created. It was like discovered. They, they mm. found him or something, right? In a, it, it, was it a lamp or something they found? Yeah, yeah. I actually noted when uh, they showed close-ups of it in the command center that that lamp is the same toy lamp that was merchandised by Disney's Aladdin at the time from 1992. Yep. So uh, I, don't, I don't know where Robin Williams' genie went off to, but someone snuck in there rent-free and, and, you know, brought up squatters' rights to uh, take over the power. <laughs> this is the original Will Smith genie. Yeah, uh, this is uh, interesting because uh, Alpha actually defeats this one. Yeah, who would have thought that? Right. He was uh, able to um, uh, separate him from his lamp somehow. I think it was. Uh, but, but I was like, you know, Alpha actually showed that that, you know, he can he can deal with a monster every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think what happens is he like rubs the lamp and then it just like sucks him back in into living space. Right. Uh, um just before it's about to use the giant drill on the Megazord as he's pinned down on the ground. So, you know, even if he's got like a lackluster name and if he's got like a strange discombobulated uh, appearance, he still has like a decent power level to um, overthrow the Rangers when they're fighting in Megazord mode. Like I, I even remember um, like the drill just being very iconic when I watched it because it looked, it looked very similar to Dragonzord fighter modes, Lance, you know, that big thing that like, before it impaled a monster with it um so that was that was memorable for me about it and also um it was it was the fourth boss in the snes power rangers game see, see the only thing i remember about this episode was the the mind swap between billy and kimberly and the fact that they were actually <laughs> injured during that scene yeah that's Whoa, wait what Yes, they, the the pyrotechnics on that scene had actually burned them. Oh, uh, both I think of them. It, both of them. Wow. Uh, I, I think it was when they did it the second time because they were the first Ouch. time the pyrotechnics were close, and the second time they actually were were hurt, and then they refused to ever do pyrotechnics that close ever again. Mm-hmm. But uh, outside of that, I didn't remember the genie at all. I had completely forgotten he was in the SNES or or, or Genesis. Yeah. I had no memory of it and until going back and watching this again. And even then going back and watching it again, the one thing that stuck out at that point was that's the Disney lamp. That's yeah. And, and, and again, it was the lamp. It wasn't even the genie that really stuck out to me uh, watching right. it again. Yeah. I, I also noted it for it's like party style, silly string that it constantly shot. From yeah, its hands. yeah. Yeah. Like who wants a party? <laughs> Um, yeah, he wasn't very memorable. I, I think he had an interesting mechanic with the whole drill thing. He didn't have much personality. He was just typical genie, your wish is my command. And then, mm-hmm. you know, he tries to get in the Rangers way. Um, I do remember that he did some weapon thing where he surrounded the Rangers when they're in the battle quarry where they're surrounded by these like black lances. And then they like exploded with sparkles or sparks, whatever. Um, but other than that, and the lamp, eh, whatever, <laughs> I, I give him a C.
So. Yeah, I, 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 I thought about a D, but again, what I like about the, the one thing I like about him is that, again, he was not created by Finster. It, it just yeah. adds to the universe of in these areas far, far away. There are these monsters that totally that hang around. So, yeah, I give him a C. Cool. Yeah. OK, we're going to we're going to jump into a fan favorite here with the evil Green Ranger uh, from episode 17 to 21 of the Green with Evil saga. Um, you know, this is the first evil re ranger ever powered by the green candle. Uh, Rita Repulsa goes through a whole like ritual ceremony, which is kind of creepy and dark looking uh, to summon him. I remember like the ranger being covered in this weird mummification type thing in a dark room with candles and uh, like rising him from his grave, essentially, um, with with Tommy put into the suit and you know combined with the sword of darkness he was a very imposing threat he was powerful he was sinister like i think he was as evil of a personality as any of the monsters get and um you know he just constantly laid on the hurt on the rangers whenever she felt necessary to bring him out um i know i know toby likes the green with evil saga so do you have anything special to add about him before i go into more detail yeah, the, the Evil Green Ranger is my favorite villain in, in the entire Mighty Morphin Power Rangers run um, because it, it's, you know, the Power Rangers are always associated with the heroes. They're, they're the greatest good. Mm -hmm. This is one of them, essentially. Uh, it, it, he, was, he, he had a power coin, and he was one of them, but he's bad. And... I remember as a kid being so stressed out mm. watching the, the, this, <laughs> these episodes. And, you know, when I think of Tommy, you know, look, Jason is my favorite as far as the leader. I thought Tommy was still excellent. I thought he was a close second. Yes. yes. But he did really well as playing a bad guy as well. Um, uh, I just... I, again, I remember as a kid being like, what is going to happen? And then, spoil, spoiler alert, he turns good. And then they go through the saga of how he loses his power. And I remember being literally broken up over that. Like yeah. that, that whole scene where he's like feeling his power go away and stuff. Really, re I feel like that whole arc with the Green Ranger from not just 17 to 21, but through it all was... I think some of the best TV in the nineties um, yeah. for, you know, but I, I, as far as villains, nothing gripped me as a kid. Like when you had the evil green ranger, mm. I mean, he went into the command center and completely just completely ransacked it. And it was like, that was sacred space. Yeah. So uh, not, not to keep going, I could keep going, but he, that, that just, that was really, really all the feels. You know, for a kid's show that was just uh, up to that point was karate and good messages and a good saga. Now it's like, oh, gosh, this is a teenager who's bad. This is a kid who's bad. Yeah. And he's not just bad. He's malicious. He's out right. for blood, just like Nasty Knight, but like a whole other level because he has that sword of darkness, which is also very powerful and very iconic. And he uses it in tandem with the dragon dagger. So, right. you know, he's got... He's got those formidable weapons. He's got the dragon sword on his side once he's summoned around episode four or five of the saga. 
you know, he actually grows big to giant size along with Scorpina and Goldar to fight alongside the, uh, to fight against the Megazord during the eclipse. And it's just like, ah, what's happening? What's happening? Yeah. The world is ending. That's how you feel as a kid watching <laughs> this. Like you, because you don't know the difference between actors in real life. You think this is actually happening somewhere on the planet and you don't know what to do with yourself. <laughs> so, you know, if nothing else, this saga firmly established the Green Ranger as like, a timeless legacy amongst yes. not only 90s television but pop culture period like he still exists now he's still super power um popular you know amongst oh, yeah. uh, power ranger fans 30 years later i think he'll still be popular to the day he dies and beyond just because of that emotional deep pull that he gripped us with immediately like something we didn't even expect after all this yeah okay that was a cool monster oh that's a really good monster oh Oh my God, what's happening? Yeah. Who is this guy? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, the, what, what else the, can you say? The Green Ranger, to, to piggyback off of what Toby said, uh, there was nothing like that. I mean, you had two-parters. And it two-parters drove us nuts when we were yeah. kids. Mm -hmm. And then I, I was expecting two-part. All right, part two. All right, let's wrap this up. Oh my gosh, it's still going. Okay, part three. All right, let's good. We're good here. Let's finish this up. Wrap it up. Come on. Oh my God, it's not done yet. What else are you going to do? It just kept going. Like, you please kill him already. Right. And he is, which I think is so funny, because uh, going back and watching watching this again with my son uh, when he was six, he loved Power Rangers. So who wouldn't right. uh, even by today's standards he still loved it we got to meet uh jason david frank and and he Is was he... super excited about that that's cool but yeah. of all of the villains all the monsters the green ranger is the one that scared my son the most and it wow. wasn't it wasn't the scenery it was that <laughs> yeah the laugh right. it was that ridiculous cheesy diabolical laugh he hated that it scared the crap out of him and i couldn't stand it when i was a kid because it was such a taunt it's like just die someone just kill him yeah i have to ask what was it like uh meeting jason david frank he was very very cool he was very cool uh he was it was at a con and it was he was very very busy but he always because there were so many people who wanted to see him but he always would take the time to pull out his phone and take a quick video with everybody who was there hey all right i'm here with all these people everybody say hi and yeah. uh whenever my son got to say hi to him he he stopped and hey what's your name all right are, are you excited Do you, uh, what's your favorite episode who's your favorite ranger and i would stop to ask him questions and me questions and uh was happy to take a picture uh he, he awesome. wasn't arrogant by any means um I, I was gonna meet uh austin st james as well but he was gone by the time i got there mm -hmm. and i did get to meet uh, uh amy joe johnson as well nice that was the same place though but either way jason david frank super awesome guy cool yeah that just further makes him a memorable character yeah you could do a whole episode on the evil green ranger uh we yes. should <laughs> it, it, there was something about seeing uh a power ranger a new color like oh my gosh there's a there's a green one oh yeah. my gosh yep. what does yeah. that mean he's the outcast we don't know where yeah. he's from or what he's into but we know he means business and he could take on all of the rangers without a sweat i think that's what happened in part one or part two when he first had that like morphed uh confrontation he just like 
right through them all. And they were just hurting on the ground. Like, come on, you got to do better than that, Rangers. <laughs> right. And it makes you wonder, like, uh, did Zordon know about this? Obviously he did. Obviously he would have known that a green power coin existed, you know, and why wouldn't he have told him about it? I understand it's a kid's show and they're kind of just doing this thing as they go along. But I kind of like to think of the idea that Zordon was like, I don't know if they're ready for that kind of, to know that that could be out there and hopefully it'll never come back. Hopefully this will never surface. Maybe it's lost forever, you know? Right. But yeah. Oh, and that's where I would always quote Zordon because when, <laughs> when Jay, uh, excuse me, when Tommy was tearing up the command center, you can hear Zordon just going, Tommy, what are you doing? Tommy? No. Yeah. no. And he, and he, he like had the glasses and the MC hammer hair, like, and he had the flowers around his neck. Like, what was he doing? I just like don't, playing with I Microsoft just, Paint. <laughs> it's just, I don't understand why. It's just Zordon did not. Uh, I, I guess he just because of his situation, he can't really be very emotional. He yeah. puts a CD in Alpha, and that just I guess gives him a virus or something. He goes, this. I just remember the Tommy. What are you doing? Right, right, yeah. right. No. No. Oh no. <laughs> I'm getting bad reception in my tube. <laughs> I just remember that. So I always do that. I go, Tommy. No. And I do remember seeing the movie and seeing Ivan Ooze do it. And I'm thinking, Tommy did this already. Do something else. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think we've said all that needs to be said about uh, the Green Ranger. I think he's a triple S in my book. Yeah. <laughs> nothing, nothing less. <laughs> yes, triple yeah. S. Triple S, yeah. Definitely. All the S's. All right. Goodbye, Green Ranger. Hello, Shellshock, because we have episode 22, The Trouble with Shellshock. And aside from his name, which is another name for post-traumatic stress disorder, fun fact for all you uh, millennials and Gen Zers there who don't even know what it means, uh, it's a turtle with a baseball bat and his head that turns into a cannon and a traffic light plopped right into the back of his shell. And it's a monster that Squat and Babu made. And as weird and quirky and ridiculous as that is, he's actually kind of competent. Like I remember, I remember him doing like the whole red light, green light thing, which was, you know, decades before Squid Game made that popular in pop culture. And he, he like froze some of the Rangers in place. And then I remember, <laughs> I remember him making Trainee like constantly run. And she's like, oh, I can't stop running. I'm just going to go back to this field. See you later. Ah. It's hilarious. I loved it. I loved it. It was great comic relief. But he also had like a, a, a suitable arsenal and a unique way to defeat him too. Um, because even though the Megazord was fighting with him when he grew giant, it actually required Trini to get like some weird exotic uh, flower to like sprinkle the, the pollen on top of his head to defeat him, which I don't know where they got that from, but I guess because Squat and Babu made him, it makes him like special. I don't know. Um, he, he does give the T-Rex Zord quite a beating before they form the Megazord too, which I thought was, uh, you know, that, that's a good display of his power when, you, you know, monsters don't mess around. They're not like, okay, just waiting for the Megazord sequence, then I'll punch your lights out. It's like, no, let's get down to business. I'm going to lay the smack down right now. I don't have time for this. Um, so he was, he was pretty fun. For some reason, he reminded me of like an edgy, lesser known Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle. <laughs> I was going to say, remind me of Razor. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. Yeah. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but much more effective. It is such a ridiculous premise for a villain, but it was very, very effective. And yeah. Also memorable. I I remembered this one. 
And I remembered how, like, why, why the traffic light? Oh crap! Oh crap! And then yeah. the more he did with it, it was like, oh, mm, okay, okay, someone kill him, please. Yeah, he's actually yeah, quite I, imposing. Yes, I, I, he, he. It was very memorable. I liked him. I, I my favorite part is the cannon. I just thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was his, that, that. His head retracts and then the cannon goes out and yeah. Like, I just thought that was really interesting, really creative. Uh, so I, I did like him a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's surprisingly fun, formidable. Um, I, I don't know why he had a baseball bat, but I think that's part of the the goofiness with all the stuff Swat and Babu gave to him. I think they put a bunch of little like trinkets from their their pocket, um, and then just shoved them all into the monster maker. That's what happened. And um, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that he had a drill sergeant kind of voice um, that also ended up being the same voice actor Richard Epcar who played uh, Babe Ruthless later on on the list. Um, so that's kind of interesting because there's a baseball <laughs> connection there, if anything. And um, yeah, I mean, oh, oh, I, I, I do want to mention that Trini defeated Shellshock with the Deandra flowers. So if anyone's ah. curious what they're called, that's, that's what it is. She had to like get out of the Zord and go find them on some cliff somewhere and come back. Um, yeah, he reappears in Eye of Illusion. That's all I have to say. Uh, what do you want to give him for rank? I'd give him an A. I would too. Uh, three. Yep. I, I'm glad we're all on the same page here. Um, so getting rid of turtles, we're going to bring in spiders with Spider-Tron from episode 23, Itsy Bitsy Spider. Um, I don't know why he's called Spider-Tron because he's not a robot spider like Tarantulas from Beast Wars, which would have been really cool. But he is kind of threatening and imposing looking. He's a giant tarantula with a big old head and all, all of his like, pincers coming stemming out from the center of him and i remember being very scared of him growing up because i didn't like spiders that much i was afraid to touch really big hairy gross spiders and i still kind of do so (laughs) you know this already had that going for it when the episode started and i remember this was like the episode where zach was teaching kids in the park how to do the hip-hop keto type thing which is his own made-up uh, martial arts mixed martial arts type thing and he finds this statue that's very unusual nearby because it has like moths flying around it and it has this weird insignia in like its beret on the statue for some reason i think it's it's lost in translation from uh, the sentai footage but essentially the spider's hiding in that statue and then once he jumps out he just has like a one-on-one battle with zach and then the rangers come along and um they actually they actually use the, the Dragon Sword fighter mode to do the majority of the fighting once they're giant, which I thought was pretty cool because, you know, me, like many other fans, were a fan of the Dragon Sword, and to see him have his own Megazord formation was just awesome. Like, give me as much screen time as possible just to see that cool form with, like, the big extended boots and, and the, the dragon fin on top. Kind of looked like a knight or a dragoon uh, if you're into Final Fantasy. Um, but, yeah. He, he, had, he had a decent arsenal with him. Not, not too many. He had like natural powers. Like he could, he could shoot, project giant spider webs and trap the Megazord or the Rangers. He had acid spray that he'd spray out. Um, he, could, he could also electrify the web netting to shock them or just use like brute force um, melee attacks. Uh, I think he also had like some sort of eye needle projectiles and red lightning for whatever reason. So he had, he had a decent gamut of powers at his disposal. Um, this was another instance where Zach used the Mastodon's freeze trunk to uh, freeze him like the Pinoctopus, which was pretty cool. And then he finished him off using uh, the Dragon Zord's Dragon Lance 
straight through him. And then poof, he's gone. So other than that, and the fact that he had a 5.5 inch evil space alien figure, which I did not get because it's too creepy. And I didn't want to be around giant spiders as a kid. <laughs> That's what I remember most about him. What about you guys? Don't remember uh, much other than just the, I remember the big spider. I remember see what, what I remember from that episode was the, the Zach's uh, when he was teaching the students. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, cause our, that's the scene from the credits. Yep. It's like an iconic scene when he does that little move, you know? And uh, other than that, I, I just remember, okay, it's a big hairy spider. He shoots webs. He's been destroyed. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, and very much the same with, uh, with Toby. Uh, the only other thing that I remember recalling as a kid was when the megazord was wrapped up in the web my thought as a kid was help me because <laughs> <laughs> i i saw that scene on tv as a kid it terrified me and mm-hmm. then i saw this this shortly after and i thought of that and if it wasn't for that movie i i wouldn't have remembered this scene it actually, I don't know why I have so many Rocco connections to Power Rangers, but it reminded me of that first episode, Canned, where all the flies are stuck in the web and they're like, hooray! <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the spider that's going to eat all you after the credits. You better get out of there quick. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I have a feeling this is going to rank higher for me than you two guys, just because of all the emotional connections I have with it and my fear of spiders, but I'm going to give them an A. I, uh, I, I would go for a C. I, I was going to go for a C as well. That's fine, but so I stand so just, by my decision. <laughs> just on, so on average, it would be a B. Yeah. Between yeah. your A and our C. The overall grade, yeah. Mm. Say goodbye to Itsy Bitsy Spider because we're going to uh, move right along with Spitflower from episode 24, also called the Spitflower. And I thought this was kind of an odd name for the monster because I guess it's based off of a pitcher plant, but it doesn't really look like something that's like a flower it just looks like an alien with a with like weird um like tendril like dreads in the back and blue claw arms and weird alien eye stalks it just seemed like a mishmash of a whole bunch of monster ideas that didn't quite gel together and i don't remember this episode at all growing up i think it was one of the lesser rerun ones um there's nothing really remarkable about the monster other than the fact that it looks like a monstrosity not in a good way, but it's just like, help me, please kill me. I don't know what I made out of. And um, it shoots, it shoots like these weird piranha teeth flowers out of its mouth to like latch onto the rangers and even bulk and skull. And I thought that alone was like comical or like it's only defining feature because as you can see, like the claymation puppets going like to bulk and skull before they scream for dear mercy. Um, you know, there's really not much else to remember about it. Uh, usually when I watch the series, the series reminds me of other movies, it, but it, it's a rare thing for a movie to remind me of this. But the uh, the yellow pod flower from Jumanji reminded me of this scene. Mm. Uh, I do remember this villain. I, I remember it not being that much of a threat, but I do remember... The appearance, I do like the design of the monster. I do like that there was a, 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 a more like a flora 
as opposed yeah. to as opposed to just monsters. So they went with a bit a bit of something different, and I appreciated it for that as a kid, and and still as an adult, I, I like that they took a little bit of a different route than what they usually do, mm-hmm. uh, which puts it a little higher for me than just the because I do remember it. It's not one of those um, nope. Interesting. So uh, I I. I have some vague memory of it and I remember appreciating it and I enough so that when I saw other movies later, I still recall this episode. Sure. That's fair. Most of my memories of it came from researching for this episode because I had no memory of it at all. Um, I think he has an interesting look to him. It's a little, little jarring, like mismatched, as I said before. Um, I did like that he had armor skin. So he still put up a fight. Uh, like he was able to deflect some attacks Um and I think, I think the dragon, I mean, the, the Green Ranger directly attacked the giant monster with an energy beam from his dragon dagger, which never happens. Like a ranger attacking a giant monster. I, I mm. thought that was a very standout moment for it. So it works in its favor that it would, it would uh, coerce one of the rangers to do that without their zords. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, for, for me, uh, just not very memorable. I, I, just, I, I just don't remember him uh very much uh Mm -hmm. he just didn't stand out to me yeah yeah aside from the dragon zord fighter mode um battle with them and then also going back like the minotaur to like defeating him with the power blaster afterwards that was kind of a letdown to me um right and he actually had a vicious defeat too because i don't know if it was like a fluke or like a, a blooper or mess up with with his defeat but when he got blasted his like arm flung off so he was like armless for a while and then he got zapped again. So it's like, I guess they missed and they had to readjust <laughs> to finish the job. <laughs> um, so yeah, not, not much else to say about him. Um, I think he has an interesting name, but I don't know if it really fits his appearance or um, what he accomplishes. So I would give him for ranking like a C. Me too. Yeah. Because again, he just kind of, he just kind of came and went with me uh, for me when I was watching the episodes. He just mm-hmm. he didn't stay with me. Sure. So he did. I, the I jo- would, he did the job. But I would give him it. a B, but just because he was a little more memorable to me. That's fair. All right. But, but. moving on, we have Frankenstein from Life's a Masquerade, episode twenty-five. And call me a sucker for Universal monsters, but I think he has a lot going for him. Um, you know, obviously he's got the iconic look and the iconic name to match. Uh, he acts as a mindless grunt for Rita, but he has very, very strong uh, physical strength, which manages to overpower not only the Rangers, um, but also the, the Megazords. He actually lifts the Megazords off the ground and throws them. And even I think he grabs the Dragonzord by the tail. So that is that that stands out to you when you watch the episode. He's even though he's like one of the more humanoid kind of monsters and that could be jarring to you instead of like a rubber suit monster that doesn't detract the fact that he um you know gives the rangers the a run for his money Uh, i did also note that the american version of the monster is actually played by jason david frank because he dresses up in that costume uh for the masquerade party that the rangers are in um so i thought that was interesting although he looks a little different than the japanese footage you can you can see the comparison online somewhere um he invades the juice bar during the Halloween party, similar to Pudgy Pig. So I thought that's that adds a little more dimension to him uh, because he's interacting with the Rangers outside the typical battlegrounds. Uh, he uses the bolts in the neck 
to to like use as um what are they called like nunchucks projectiles, oh. yeah projectiles nunchucks he also has like this ball and chain that he uses to attack them very effectively uh it's also one of the very few instances like with spider tron where the monster is defeated by being impaled with the dragon lance which is always fun to see for like kids who love that kind of uh soft core action <laughs> um and i do want to also mention before i get your thoughts guys uh Two, two little tidbits, obviously, the, the obvious connection to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein in 1818 with its look and its mannerisms. But also, this is one of the few monsters from the Sentai uh, that was broken up into its own monster. So what I mean by that is that when I, when I did research for this episode, I noticed that this, the, the, the footage was actually from, a, from another episode, which we're going to touch upon, Isle of Illusion, uh, because this is actually uh several monsters um it was too graphic to show from from the japanese footage in the american version but essentially when he gets impaled his skin like crumbles off and then he becomes quote unquote zombie franken which we'll come to know as mutitis uh later on so that was that was an interesting fact to learn in the meantime um other than that what do you guys think of uh frankenstein i thought he was unique in that he looked humanoid you know, uh, I liked that uh, Rita sent him in uh, because he looked so humanoid. Rita was able to actually have him sneak into a place, uh, the Halloween party. Yeah, um, it could he, be his advantage there. Yeah, and a normal monster couldn't have done that. Like Pudgy Pig wouldn't have done that, you know. Right. Um, so I, I, I thought that uh, his appearance, uh, I mean, he looks like Frankenstein, but I think that uh the way Rita was able to use him for like a clandestine mission, I guess I thought again was really uh, a little more complex than the average monster. So I definitely think he was above average in my book. Okay. Nice. Alex. So bit of a backstory because this does tie in obviously for very <laughs> surface level uh, conversation that this ties in with the universal classic monster movies but every not every but a lot of frankenstein adaptations you see always does what takes place in this episode where they have the frankenstein the monster hold their arms straight out very mummy like and <laughs> and uh that was not boris karloff uh if you go back and watch the old frankenstein movies boris karloff as frankenstein's monster never did that and boris karloff got a lot of credit at the time for being such a compelling uh, character in that movie mm -hmm. and Bela Lugosi who played Dracula hated that he got so much attention mm -hmm. much later in the sequels Bela Lugosi played Frankenstein's monster and he is the one who did the mindless and held his <laughs> hands out and now he has become even though everyone remembers Frankenstein's monster as Bel Boris Karloff everyone impersonates Bela Lugosi as which takes place like in this freaking episode uh which i think is really funny and i also can't help but wonder if power rangers had a ton of spin-off knock -off, not spin-off but knockoff series yeah and I, part of me wonders if this episode in particular was some of the inspiration for big bad beetleborgs because ah, maybe because they had all those classic universal monster movies in that haunted yeah. house mm -hmm. uh but i do remember as a kid seeing this episode and was <laughs> really taken aback by this because i knew who frankenstein was i never watched this i never 
I never watched anything with him, but I knew who he was. Uh, well, Frankenstein's monster. And I thought it was so weird. Why, why have this character in here? This doesn't make sense. No, it makes perfect sense. It's a monster and, and a very strong one at that. But I didn't think that as a kid. It just really threw me as an adult and, and going back and watching again and pointing out the reasons that Brett had pointed out with how much of a formidable foe he really was i didn't give him enough credit as a kid no i i agree with uh with toby he's uh, slightly above average the the design for the character is kind of ridiculous <laughs> uh, even even by power ranger standards because it's not so it, it's not as well done uh it, it you could just tell it's like this mask a half mask and painted face well well the american version anyway the japanese version looks a little better because the flathead is more intact with the universal monster look yeah yeah but it's still it, it's still a worthy adversary uh, not yeah. one that we could just gloss over like, yeah like... i think i think he's one of the strongest brute force type monsters in the roster he is yeah so what would you guys rank him I give him a B. Yeah, I, would, I was going to give him a B. I was actually going to give him an A because I like that iconography of his look and also just sheer physical power. Like that enough to be able to lift a Megazord like it's nothing. I, I mean, you don't see that often, if ever. Um, except actually, now that I think of it, there might be one other one later on, but we'll get to that. All right, moving on. We have Wheel of Misfortune from episode 27. Life's uh, not... Not Life's a Masquerade, sorry. Uh, I think the episode's also named Will Misfortune, am I right? Yes, it, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, this is the first sentient object as a yeah. monster. Um, I think that's so funny. It's just something. It, yeah, it's, it's basically a spinning wheel with like spikes and thorns around it, and it just has like these sparklers attached to it. So it's like... <laughs> no, no, it reminds me of it reminds me of that weird like whizzing frisbee thing from that Doug episode where he gets it stuck in um, the neighbor's yard and it's like <laughs> that, that's all it's got going for it. It's it's like a, a more dangerous version of that that whizzing frisbee. <laughs> a whizby. Whizby, yeah. Um I, I like the clever pun of Will Misfor I mean Wheel of Fortune from the game show because you know it's fitting. Although I didn't feel that it was necessary to defeat it with the Ultra Zord. I mean, come on, it's a wheel. But you can you can just slice it in half with the power sword or, or attack it with the, the dragon lance. Like, do you really need all that firepower? Yeah, that, that thing was way overblown. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, it, they were, it seemed like they were short on ideas when they were writing that. I mean, it was yeah. like, uh, it was like it, Kim, Kimberly's grandmother's spinning wheel. Yeah, they had to tie it in somehow, I guess. You know, they just have this thing why. fly around. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, that, what other what other classic stories can we put? What about Sleeping Beauty? What was on Sleeping? What about Maleficent? No, we can't use her. We could use the the, the spinning wheel. Unless she's the actual spin. <laughs> what? We'll just throw it and then, yeah, and film it. Catch. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It just, it just looks like it was just being thrown. Like the... it was actually on a string. If you yeah. notice, it was like. Oh, they didn't try to hide those strings. I, I know. There's there's one particular scene where uh kimberly was kicking something and you could just see like the strap and the harness and like the name like probably harness number one written on it like it's like it a just, scene right out of guts with the elastic bands yeah it just like, like yeah i mean yeah. i'm surprised that yeah it, it was yeah so i'm pretty sure you could see the string but yeah it just it just looked like this it was just really really weird 
because yeah. it was just an object. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Weird, seemingly powerful and boring. That's the best way I could summarize it. Yep. So uh, I'm going to give it a D. Uh, yeah. I, I'd go F just because it was bottom of the barrel with the ideas. Yeah. I was going to give it an F. Yeah. I, I only give it a D because it took the Ultra Zord to destroy it. Like, apparently it's made out of adamantium. So they yeah, need oh it. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on before we uh, get hung up on that. Uh, oh, here's a good one. We have Mutitis with forms one and two from episodes 28 and 29, the Isle of Illusion, uh, two-parter. So I think he's, uh, he's got an appropriate name for him. He's very frightening looking. He's like got all the flesh ex exposed, kind of like the Dead Man's Float zombie from Are You Fear the Dark, which is another fan favorite. Uh, he, he maintains the bolts from Frankenstein, you know, when he still had his skin on in the Z-Ranger footage. Um, he does a lot of like kicking action. He has the ball and chain. He uses that more, but things get really scary. Once, uh, Rita summons Lokar, this giant spiky bluish head from another dimension, like some sort of warlock, or actually, I think it's like the embodiment of Satan, as they mentioned in the, in the wiki, uh, where he like breathes his breath of doom on Mutitis. And then he gets even more frightening where his, I mean, I mean, they don't show it in the American footage, but in the Japanese footage, they essentially crack open his head and this weird like demon spawn worm with a skull face pops out that's all like veiny on the sides and he grows like crazy horns from his entire body and he gets this weird like cape thing that looks like beetle wings and he's got this little emblem on his chest that kind of looks like Lokar's head oh god nightmares nightmares for days <laughs> and he was also um he was also the area six boss in the power ranger snes game so he was, he was near the end. He was very formidable. He was frightening looking. He had tons of powers at his disposal. He like immobilized the Zords with spray foam. He had like multicolored lightning firing from every part of his body at the Rangers. He, you know, got some good melee hits in there, fairly strong. You know, Lokar was juicing him up for the fight. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you guys have anything to add? <laughs> I have to say, I think uh, for me, uh, Lokar was the best part of that episode. I remember specifically for me and my cousin, we uh, who were, you know, we were like Jason and Zach and we, we, we lived for the show. Mm -hmm. uh, we rewound and rewound. We would, you know, we'd record it, rewound and rewound and rewound, 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 whatever. Uh, the scenes with Lokar, all the time and we would make his faces you know to be funny but um he really was yeah yeah i know he was yeah, just, just like that <laughs> i know but uh i thought he was designed i i liked the way he looked you know yeah um i just thought he was interesting they, they call him uh oh what was it it's it, it, he had like a i think it was like low car the terrible or yeah some uh, sort of surname like that which tells me which like kind of add some kind of history to him mm -hmm. that we don't know which is cool you know he's a he's but, a powerful wizard from another dimension that rita knows so for all we know they were like allies during this war that happened pre-power rangers where they fought yeah. zordon i just liked him a lot uh and he kind of overshadowed mutitis for me who i i thought was okay mm -hmm. uh i just low cars who i remember so gotcha I remember when Lord Zed became a thing and there were a lot of parents who were very upset with the design of Lord Zed and you can see his brains and his muscle tissue. It's disgusting. <laughs> like, have you seen none of the other monsters in the show? Right. Did you not see the, the one who's just nothing but eyes, but this one, 
was the one that I thought of whenever I, because I heard about it. I, I heard other parents talking with other parents in the next room about how much they didn't like Power Rangers and they didn't like this this one guy. They, they described him. I knew who it was. And I was thinking, did you guys not see Mutitis? This, this thing was horrid to look at. But mm-hmm. it it's funny because as a kid, we were just resilient. It was like, oh, that's what it looks like. It's gross. It's a monster. But it's a zombie, whatever. <laughs> it, it's gross, but, you know, he's the bad guy. So he's supposed to look gross, which I really like that they did that for the most part. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you wanted monsters. You wanted villains to be monsters. Uh, you didn't need all that that gray. Sometimes the good guy can be the bad guy. and it's, 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 Don't need all that. Uh, I mean, you do, but we didn't want that at the time. Yeah. But I... I really liked this character and and i like you said i also like lokar it was just a creepy villain it yeah solid striking yeah and if if he wasn't creepy enough in his like regular form just add more horns and like yeah the, that weird ass demon head that looks kind of phallic popping out yeah. of his other head it's like ah get away from me kill it with yeah. fire no it's it's actually just to finish my thought it's actually one of the few instances where we see the the green ranger in the dragon zord cockpit like actually you know with the green lights behind because he has to jump in to you know protect himself and pilot the dragon zord so that he can like attack him instead of use the dragon zord on autopilot because um you know he's just like going back and forth between the megazord and the dragon zord fighting them and it's like keeping them on their toes is what what makes it such a uh, dynamic uh, fight. And it, it takes like one of, the, one of the first instances where the Megazord and Dragonzord combine powers to become the Mega Dragonzord, where it's got like, oh, yeah. a, you know, a chest shoulder football armor thing and then shoots the giant Z orb at him to vaporize him into, you know, another galaxy. So it's, he, he's, he's no slouch. This, this guy's got uh, as much terror as power uh, to match. Yeah, I, 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 with his association to Lokar, who I I remember even more, you know, for some reason I don't know what it is. You know, it's interesting what 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 we, you know, remember what we, what we choose to remember and <laughs> don't, you know. But yeah, uh, yeah uh, because of his association to Lokar, he's he's high up on my list. So cool. Yeah, same here. Um, I just want to mention real quick that he had an evil space alien toy planned, but they ultimately canceled him for unknown reasons. Um, if you oh. search the internet for like old advertisements, you can actually see like his design. He's like very yellow, brown, and orange. Um, cool. Maybe they just couldn't replicate his likeness because he is highly detailed. Um, other than that, he was one of the last bosses in the SNS game. So yeah, what do you rank uh, Mutitis, both forms and Lokar as an assist? I guess. Um, I would say uh, at least an S for me. Uh, yeah, with him and Lokar together. I agree. S. I'm going to give him a double S just because of how damn frightening he was to me as a kid. And he still frightens me a bit now. Yeah. And I would take a double S too, because I was almost going to do that as well. But yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. (laughs) Well, we have some highs in that. We have some lows. So we're rolling right along with this rolling stone called the rock star from episode 30, the rock star. (laughs) And this, this guy's unique because uh, other than his dumb punny name, uh, he was the only monster in the season created or summoned by Scorpina. So it really had nothing to do with Rita other than the fact that um, the whole scheme here was just to grab this mirror of destruction that was hidden on the beach somewhere and then use it against the Rangers by firing like, reflective beams against them that were really powerful it's like using a giant magnifying glass on the sun and frying ants except with robots um i think he had a really 
really dumb look. He was kind of slow-witted. The way he attacked the Rangers, more so Jason than anyone else, is that he like shot these boulders uh, cannon style from his chest, which is pretty cool. And then he pinned Jason down um, and they had some weird like red and yellow electricity surrounding them. So apparently they weren't heavy enough to crush him, just like lightly pin him down on the beach. And that, that the, the gravity of his attack uh, left me feeling, you know, a little bit disappointed wanting more of him. Uh, other than that, I did notice that he kind of had um, semi-resemblance to uh, Golem from Pokemon, specifically the Alolan form from Sun and Moon, for any of you Pokemon fans out there. Um, he, he's just not that impressive. I know that even his like destruction scene where he was like bursting apart, I could tell that was like a little clay figure that just had a uh, stick of dynamite stuffed in him uh, right after the scene where Jason's cousin uh, accidentally point the mirror. He's like, oh, I wonder what this does. And then <laughs> just shoots him into oblivion. Um, other than that, I did like the fact that he fought alongside putties uh, and the Rangers in the pools because when the Rangers like defeated the putties, they pushed them all in the pools to cool off. So yeah, that's all I have for him. <laughs> I had completely forgotten about this character. <laughs> Me too. And even going back and watching them again, and then going back and watching some of the others, I remembered some of the others. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I completely forgot it. Because the only thing I remember watching the episode was they look like big, strong hands. <laughs> That's all I've got. It's yeah. Dumb villain. He was really bland, uh, kind of just drab. He was, you know, he was just he was all one color and just kind of weird looking. Uh, yeah. And uh, the way he died, of course, being so haphazard, uh, just really kind of tanks him uh, for me. Yeah. Ranking. F. 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 F into oblivion. Goodbye. <laughs> Scorpina, don't do monsters. That's Reader's job. All right, so we're moving on to the halfway point with Samurai Fan Man, uh, which is from episode 31, Calamity Kimberly. Uh, he has a very appropriate name as it, you know, describes what he looks like. Pretty much, you know, you get you, what you see is what you get. Um, he's very intimidating looking. I just remember being frightened by him as a kid and this episode airing a lot um, when I got back from school. Like, I just remember how, like, Kimberly was miserable because she got caught in the rain. And then, you know, you got this guy showing up with Squat Babu and Goldar. And he's, like, laughing all jovially. Uh, he's got this, like, piercing eyes. He's got this full-on Shogun body armor. He's got spikes sticking out of the side of his helmet. And he, like, opens up this gourd and, like, sucks Kimberly in. And she looks like she's in, like, a weird, weird, like, bottom of a trash can that's kind of dank and swampy. So... Um, he, he's got quite a bit up his sleeve, similar to a uh, dark warrior. I don't think he has that much personality. He's like, you know, just typical, like mocking the Rangers and got some grunts here and there. Um, but he does have a very threatening appearance. He makes good use of his arsenal, including a fan, uh, the spikes on his head. I think he also has, uh, lasers maybe, but he did, he did steal gnarly gnomes rake, which I thought was hilarious. He just, you know, kind of manifest that and like, well, if he's not going to use it, I'm going to use it. See if I could do better with that. And, um, you know, tries to give the Megazord a run for his money. Um, but, you know, what I find most interesting about him isn't necessarily his look 
or his like weaponry or gimmicks. It's the fact that the Rangers had to use uh, multiple configurations of their Zords to defeat him. You know, they, they tried with the Megazord, they tried with Dragonzord battle mode, and they still couldn't like get a few hits in. Um, they even tried the Mega Power Sword. And then, you know, when he, they were backed into a corner with his uh, spark spewing Samurai fan, which like blows them away when he like fans them, uh, you know, they just said, you know what, enough games, we got to combine the Ultra Sword and blast him until he's vaporized. And that's what they did. Um, so, you know, he, he's... He's, he's got a lot going for him in terms of resiliency uh, for one of Rita's monsters. I liked him uh, because uh, he's one of the ones I remember. Mm -hmm. uh, he looks really cool. Uh, he was a tough one to fight. Uh, so I just think he was, I mean, no, he's not, you know, triple S level or anything like that. But I thought he was solid. I thought he was a solid villain. I thought he was, I thought yeah. he was good. This is what Tickle Steezer should have been. <laughs> right. Because again, I, I felt like Tickle Steezer was such a cheat with that, that stupid sucking everybody up into those little jars. And now he does this with the, or, or, or uh, the, with the Samurai gourd fan thing. man does yeah. it with the gourd. And, and I always hated that gimmick as a kid, uh, which was a, very effective. Uh, it wasn't that I hated it, like, oh, this is stupid. It was, <laughs> it was, no, I hate this because it's effective. <laughs> I, I need to arrange us to win. <laughs> yes, it, it was such a cheat. Uh, I hated that. It was like the stupid shin kick on those beat em up games that they would just keep kick, 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 kick. It's so stupid. Right, right. I hate it. I hate it. Yeah. But no, I, I agree. He was a very solid villain. Uh, he was memorable. There wasn't anything that made him go top tier by any means but he's mm -hmm. he's not average he's not garbage he's a solid villain so on that note would you guys want to rank him i'm between b or a yeah i, I want to i'm going to give him an a i'm going to give him an a as well he he puts up a good fight he's he's scary he's threatening he's got plenty of weapons at his disposal you know he's he's very well-rounded let's put it that way he's well-rounded and a, and a solid foe the Splat Attack ranking every Power Rangers monsters will continue next week. Reprise the theme song and roll the credits. Hard to believe, folks, but it's time to say goodbye. Nighty night. Hey, check us out next time for more adventure and another great legend of the Hidden Temple. What will we do till then? Chill for a couple. We'll be back. You're on, Nick. And it was time for the superhero to move on. I declare this meeting of the Midnight Society closed. Oh, bye bye. Where's your costume, Bob? Hey, just add a little touch of the 90s, Mr. Kaplan.